Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money-saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is? Huh? Hump day! <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Happy Hump Day on 101 ESPN. Character hey, and Small. That, that is from the Geico commercial. That's the camel. Oh, okay. The All Geico right. camel. I yeah. should have known that. Danny Mac, Randy Carricker with you. How you doing? I'm doing great. Big Good. win for the Bills last night. Monster win for the Bills against a really inferior opponent. And How are you even doing, though. By the way? Hmm? How are you doing? I'm doing great. Okay, good. Uh, Billikens win at 75-57. Fred Thatch with his first career double-double, 14 points, 10 rebounds. Francis Okoro stays hot, although he's having trouble staying in games on the road. He's in a lot of foul trouble yeah. on the road. 19-7 and seven for Okoro, and the Billikens win six in a row now? That's, I think that's, that's right. six yeah. in a row. Yeah. And it was funny because I was watching the game, and I, I said to Joan, I said, you know, they're up by 14, and I don't feel like they're playing well. LaSalle is not a good team, and SLU can play a lot better than they did, even though they won by 18. You know what I felt? Uh, they didn't play great. I think, though, follow me on this. Was it the atmosphere? Might have been. Yeah, the atmosphere it, at that gym. It's it's hard to play a beautiful game in Tom Gola. Let's yeah. see, that's the bottom line. It's it, it's you don't play a, a a nice passing fluid ball game in yeah. Tom Gola. You you eke out Kinda a rough ugly it. win. Yeah, yeah. The, the I, arena's I just, built for it. I, I've done games out of there, um, and it's just kind of. I don't know, dab, dreary, dark, I don't know, but it just didn't have that feel. And so I always feel like if you're in those kind of like the gyms that aren't filled and it's just spotty crowds, it's like ugly. Is it? I don't know why. In this conference, St. Louis and Dayton are really the only people with really nice facilities that fill the buildings, right? Davidson's okay. Okay. It's okay. It's not bad. I guess GW has a nice GW's set. okay, but I'm, I'm with you. I, I think SLU and Dayton are the, the two places that come to mind that have really nice facilities. Some of these now have upgraded a little bit, but you're upgrading off of what was kind of bad. Yeah, right. You know what yeah. I mean? So... Bottom line, though, they win. They got a game coming up on Friday at home. I bet the place is packed on Friday. If you don't have tickets yet, get tickets now. Billikens at home on Friday, and it's LaSalle again. No. Right? Bonnie, Bonnie, then LaSalle. Oh, Bonnie, Bonnie, then LaSalle. Yeah. So uh, another one, the Billikens should win, though. Again, you can win. uh, Now you get three in a row going into Davidson. That'd be nice. You're you're right. rolling. You're in the you're in the hunt. Mizzou coughed another one up. They yeah. did, they took the lead over Vanderbilt, fifty six fifty five, with about four minutes left, and then just stumbled down the stretch. Vandy Can't wins it seventy game. to sixty two, and it's just it, it's a train wreck right now for Missouri. All five Vandy starters in double figures, and a coach who 
preaches defense and mm-hmm. is a really good defensive coach. Conzo Martin, even though the defense isn't there right now, he's a really good defensive coach. They just can't get a stop when they need one. And, you know, I, I'm with you. There's the moral victories, I guess, that you have. Oh, we only lost by one to Florida. You lose by one at home to Auburn. Yeah, I get it, but you are what you are, yeah, right? right? And they're just not closing games out. They're just not very good, period. No, no. I do think, though, he gets one more year. Are you with me well, on that? Yes. It's a business move, if nothing else. Exactly. Because you don't want to pay the guy $6 million to not coach. And I, we talked about this the other day, Dan. I don't think there is that head coach out there. I don't think you can bring in an assistant coach to Mizzou. I think you need to bring an established head coach. And that hot guy, that hot assistant coach at the mid-major level just isn't there right now. No. I, I think you asked the the 100 – you're 100% right. You've been doing this forever, and you're – you're awesome at what you do. So I just want to say that. Thank you. Um, but that. The, the question always is, okay, get rid of him. Mm-hmm. You know, with any coach, who do you want? Yeah. Right. Who do, who do you want? Yeah. You, coach you, K's available. Right. You, you <laughs> want to go get him? You want to go get Rick Pitino? You, you know? Yeah. You, who do you want? And and that's unless you pay I, an exorbitant amount of money for somebody to come in. Mm-hmm. And Mizzou's not going to do that. Uh I'm not sure who that guy is out there. Maybe somebody on the text line could say, hey, go get this guy. But that guy is going to be wanted by somebody else, and he's probably at a mid-major, and he might not be affiliated with the Midwest or Missouri or Illinois. You know, so I just don't know who that guy would be right now. To be honest with you, Desiree Reed Francois has other fish to fry right now other than basketball. Uh, They can go another year with the basketball floating around 500. They need to get football rolling. And and get fannies in the seats. Yeah, exactly. That is a big one in my opinion. How are you going to generate excitement with the fan base? And I I think they've done a really nice job on the recruiting front with football. Mm -hmm. I think your head coach can be fun, entertaining at times. But bottom line, you got to win. Right. And they're okay. But make it fun to go down there and watch games. Right, it's got to be. Illinois, number 13 in the land, lost to Purdue last night. The number three team in the country, 84-68. to 68. Super Bowl 56 Sunday here on 101 ESPN. And we'll have the pregame for you at 1 o'clock for that 5.30 game. Yeah, four and a half hours of pregame for you. Joe Burrow, the Bengals quarterback, is kind of like Kurt Warner when Kurt Warner was <laughs> playing for the Rams in the Super Bowl. In fact... They, Zach Taylor and the Bengals, they invite the blitz. You know, I just think it depends on the situation. You know, when you when you blitz, you have to play one-on-one outside. And the receivers that we have makes my job easy. When, when I do get pressured, they win so fast that I'm able to just get them the ball in space. So, you know, those guys make it easy on me. Have, uh, Burrow has a Kurt Warner-type ability to diagnose what the defense is doing ex- exceptionally quickly. Let me ask you this. i got to take it or leave it for you right okay. off the bat. Take it or leave it. Aaron Donald is the Super Bowl MVP. I'm going to leave that. I don't think he becomes the second player to be the Super Bowl MVP from a losing team. Okay. I like the losing team part. All right, yeah. good. We had that on the uh, the trivia Chuck the other Holly. day. Yeah. Holly, yeah. Uh, I don't know how they stop Von Miller and Aaron Donald. That, that So he better be it's, Kurt Warner on getting rid of the ball. It's Mixon, it's screenplays. And then if you can get Mixon going, and you can run on the Rams, then you go play action. 
Okay. I, I, I can buy into that. Yeah. I, think, I, I just don't yeah. know how you also, stop those no. guys. Never forget, Javon Kurtz just about took Kurt Warner's head off on the touchdown it's pass to true. Isaac yeah. Bruce. So if you can stand in there and get the ball off at least, and you got guys like Jamar Chase, you can make it happen. Yeah. He well, gets hit, though, yeah. man. He but gets like, hit a like lot. Like Spag said, he, a lot of times he gets... He's really good about knowing when the hit's going to come and just protects the football. Meanwhile, we didn't see Kurt smoking victory cigars after big wins like Joe Burrow does. Or or the kicker, looks like we're going to the AFC championship game. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Where does Burrow get that swagger from? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't really consciously think about it. I just wear stuff that I think I would like. You know, it's not like I'm shopping and be like oh everyone would love this uh i just have always kind of not cared what anybody thinks about you know what i wear what i do and i just wear stuff that i like including the drip of the diamonds randy awesome and i i loved his response when somebody said is that real is that real he's like yeah i make a lot of money it's real that's okay (laughs) great you know when i really loved him though is when he wanted lsu and he's got this the the stogie going i thought well, that's pretty swag there. I, I, I like that guy, mm-hmm. you know? I like that dude. Yeah, I do too. Meanwhile, on the other side is the button-down Matthew Stafford, who, coming over from Detroit, feeling a little pressure to win a Super Bowl. Um, Yeah, I mean, these these opportunities are what you play the game for. You know, I'm, I'm so uh, lucky to be in this situation and being able to go out and, and battle one more time with this great group of guys that I have as teammates and coaches. Um, you know, as far as pressure goes, I mean, we say it around here all the time. Pressure is a privilege. You know, that means, uh, you know, something is expected of you and we expect that of ourselves anyway. So, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is just the overall excitement um, for this opportunity, knowing what it took to get here. All the great players, uh, you know, on our team that are either, you know, still playing with us or, or got injured in the process or, you know, are helping us get a look, uh, you know, in practice. I mean, everybody's had such a huge role in this. Um, you know, you're just playing for those guys, playing for your teammates, playing for your brothers. I think I got like five or six cliches out of that. That's okay. I, I, I'm not pulling for the Rams to win for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. although I do like him. He can play. I mean, Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback that's been on really bad teams yeah. at the Lions. He can and play. If this is less than a three-point game and he has a minute left, and he did it in Detroit all the time, he's going to give them a chance to win if he has a minute left and no timeouts and it's a three-point game or less. You know, it's funny. I've heard more about uh, Matthew Stafford, Burrow, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, OBJ, uh, and the guy that may be the one player that no one is, for whatever reason, the national talking point is not on him. He might be the best player on the field on both sides is Cooper Cup. Yeah. I mean, guy can flat out play. He's one of the best receivers, if not the best in, in football. Do you guys hear much about him no. right now? It's amazing. And, and he's the guy. He is a stud. He is. It took him 17 games to get to that many yards, so I'm not impressed. Uh, the big thing okay. with Stafford, I'm just, I the big thing with Stafford is like, like just how, like Randy said, the difference between 12 years of dealing with the media and just two years mm-hmm. and just having just like these this robotic delivery and saying the right things and yeah we're gonna get the guys together we're gonna play we're gonna play our brand of football it's gonna be you know we're gonna we're you know what, though? what we're gonna do it's just it's so robotic you know what, and the difference is he ever in trouble no. you're never here but so i'm not that, saying it's a bad idea but yeah it's, exactly it's apparent yeah. that's why you want to do it we told you yesterday during the course of the show that the blues had given robert bortuzzo a new two-year contract and Logan Brown gets a one-year deal with the Blues for next season. Blues back in action tomorrow night. New Jersey will be here, and we'll have that pregame for you at six o'clock with Alex Ferrario, Curbs, and Joey with the call at seven. Can I go? Can I go back to something here? Right, we jump all over the place. Yeah, we do. I'm really fired up about Slew. 
I am too. I, I am fired up. I, I think right now with I, I was so over the weekend. Joe Lenardi had him as their first four out. He and he's pretty much right on. I mean, he misses maybe one, sometimes two, of the field of the NCAA tournament. But when you they've now won six in a row. And when you win that many in a row or make nine in a row and make a statement going into Davidson um, and have a big game, which they have a chance to do, um, I think they could really get in. I didn't think they were going to be an at-large team. Now I'm starting to change my tune a little bit because they've won this amount in the row. And let's give them a lot of credit. You know, you mentioned the numbers of Fred Thatch last night. Mm -hmm. You lose Javante Perkins, and I keep harping on this, who would have been maybe the A-10 player of the year, and he was the guy to go get you a bucket. You're down at the end. Hey, go get us a bucket. We need to win this game. Go get us a bucket. He's the guy. Well, now look at how they're winning some of these games. It's Gibson Jimerson with 31 in one game. Following game, he gets 28. Yuri Collins is starting to shoot the ball a little bit better. Um, then you look at Okoro and Fred Thatch with the double-double. Fred Thatch, by the way, always tears up LaSalle for whatever reason. But Fred Thatch is a good player. He's a lockdown defender, but you needed a couple of buckets. Mm-hmm. You get him. Um, I, I just think you got to start looking at them and saying, hey, let's let's give credit where credit's due. This team is figuring out ways to win. They're talented. And by the way, Go out and support them. They're doing it with hometown kids. Slewbillikins.com or call today 314-977-4SLEW. That's Dan. I'm Randy. I'm Matt is up, here. Man. Yeah. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. It is Wednesday. It is hump day. And that means it's Ask Uncle Randy Day. Love Do you it. have a first date coming up this weekend? You're debating whether or and not Randy. to ask that girl out. How about Valentine's Bingo. ideas? Bingo. You need some? Uncle Randy's got them for you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well, filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. I've been around, you know. All right, it's time for Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Your text, 65780. Danny, what do my peeps have? Uh, well, I am I your peep? Yeah. Okay, so I, can I start? Yeah. All right, Randall. You uh, got the Super Bowl on, or Uncle Randy, I should say. Mm-hmm. Randall has stepped out. Um, I got the Super Bowl on Sunday. Uh-huh. Family gathering, probably, of some sort, or maybe a party, whatever. But then the following day, correct me if I'm wrong, Uncle Randy, is uh, Valentine's. This is true. It is Valentine's. Uh, So for the sports fan in your life, and maybe, well, one could be the sports fan, one is not. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is for both guys and gals. You know, the, the lady could be the big sports fan. What do you get the guy, and then what does the guy do for the gal? And you've spent all this time on the weekend together. Now you have another day together. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to get? It's Valentine's Day. Yes, and obviously the two big plays are flowers and cookies, which you can both get at Schnooks. Take care of those. Now, my preference nice is... Nice call on Schnooks. Thank you very much. My preference, Dan, is to do the prepared meal at uh-huh. home. Yeah. One time in my younger days, 
uh, had the kids stay with grandma, and I actually rented a tux so that when uh, Joan came home, I was dressed like a waiter in a fine restaurant. I put together a menu, and I had the different items, like if she wanted fish or chicken or whatever. Sure. Put together a whole menu, had the flowers going, had the cookies going, uh, had the wine going. Set, uh, I set up the whole romantic deal. Now, it's harder to do on a Monday, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's only Wednesday right now. So if you want to try to pull this off for Friday or Saturday, give it a shot. And you don't have to wear the tux. You don't have to go that far. But I think that the home made meal always goes a long way. Do you feel, Uncle Randy, that it's good to get your significant other something to work out with, like get him a bike or a treadmill? Now, my wife does not have that problem. She's uh-huh. in great shape, but I could see where some people take it the, the wrong way. Well, Dan, I actually asked for a stability ball. And that's Is what that I, right? That's what I'm getting for my Valentine's I think that's what I'm getting for my Valentine's Day gift. You asked for a stability ball. Yeah, I've been working out with uh, Dominic over uh-huh. at Family Golf and Learning Center uh, over in uh, their facility. Over and, in Kirkwood. Exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I use over there that we didn't have in the house. So, yes, I don't think that there is a negative to wanting somebody to live longer by providing them the ability to exercise. And it's interesting, Dan, if... Yes. I think most women like to do yoga or stretching. So if you get like stretching bands or uh, yoga stuff like yoga mats and things like that, I think you're fine. I think you're golden. I had actually somebody, Uncle Randy, uh, who was a friend of mine, his his, uh, father got uh, his wife a toilet seat. Not a good play. And she said, why did you get, I'm dead serious about why did you get me a toilet seat? And she said, uh, he said, because you spend the most time on it. (laughs) I swear. (laughs) And he really thought he was doing something great. All right, 314, Dear Uncle Randy, trying to decide between a Traeger Pro Series 575 and 780, which one do you recommend? Follow up, my other problem is trying to convince my wife the purchase is worth it. Do you have any ideas on how, uh, how to go about doing this? Okay, first thing I would do to convince her that the purchase is worth it just go to the website and show her some of the recipes that you'll be able to make on the Traeger you can use it year-round you will lighten her load in terms of making dinner and I think ultimately she'll really enjoy it now in terms of the grill it really depends on how many people you are going to be preparing for if you want to feed a lot of people if you're going to have people over during the summer that you're going to do a big barbecue for then go for the bigger one but mm-hmm. i'm fine and i i have a small one and a, a family of four and it's fine and I, mine's smaller than the 575 i, I believe i have the and you make carrot cakes yeah so my recommendation right off the bat would be to go with the less expensive one unless you're planning to Use the Traeger to prepare food for a lot of people. But the big thing is show your wife the pictures of the recipes at TraegerGrills.com and let her know that this is not only a move for you, but it's a move for her because you can make literally anything, including carrot cake, on your Traeger grill. How how is uh, Traeger not a sponsor? As much as we talk about them. We've we've worked on it, Dan. We have worked. Kelly Hanna, our sales manager. Yeah. We we had a whole getup. I have no idea how they're. Well, you know, maybe it's because they don't need me. They don't need to pay for my advertising. Okay, understood. <laughs> Uncle Randy, um, you are a romantic at heart. At heart, yeah. You know, but you got an edge to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is from the uh, 314. Dear Uncle Randy, I've talked to this girl at the gym a couple of times that I like. What's the play to ask her out? 
I would say, are you seeing anybody? And if she says no, you say, well, would you like to go out and get some coffee after we work out, finish our workout? Or sometime. Who cares if she's seeing somebody? You go for it, Rand, show, Uncle Show Randy. respect, though. Show I, respect. I have, I have one follow-up question for that yeah. one. You've talked to her a couple of times. Has she ever talked to you? Well, that's true. Has she approached that's, you? I just, I just, I just point, need yeah. that confirmation first, because if that's happened, yeah. you know, it doesn't really matter how you play it. Just, just have yeah. a little confidence, and you'll, you'll be fine. But if she's come up and talked to you, that's the, that's the censure right there. Right. Or if she responds. But yeah, I would. Uh, number one, I would show respect. It's the old bros thing. Uh, but then the other thing is, yes, uh, ask her out for something innocuous, coffee or lunch or something like that. I mean, Uncle Randy, I expected more out of you. You're, Why? you're, well, you've been a lover for all. I mean, I've seen the list, the black book. You got a long black but book. But Dan, you, you, you start slow and ramp it up as you go along here. Okay. Can you do two at That's a time? I mean, can we can we have one girl over here, one girl there, and then you know, one's on Monday, one's on Wednesday, of Uncle Randy. Of course. Okay. You're married. Okay. I don't think. All right. Even if you are. Okay. Uh, who am I to judge? Wife, girlfriend, both, whatever. Yeah. All right. Uh, what should, uh, let's see, 702 wants to know what. That, is that Vegas? I think it is. And they're asking about what I should bet on for the game, oh, Uncle Randy. There we go. Okay. So do you have a prop bet or do you, do you have something, Uncle Randy, in your back pocket that's free money? I would suggest that. There, there are two plays that I would go here. Number one, let me double check. I, I would go the over on Ram sacks, whatever it is, even if it's like four and a half. Okay. I would go over on Ram sacks. The other thing that I would do, I, I thought the over-under was at like 48. I think we're going over on the Super Bowl. Let me double check the latest over that I have. Or any double checks that I'll mention. Be sure to yeah. tune in on Friday because we're going to talk all about prop bets. Oh, are we are? Oh, yeah, yeah, we are. Oh, okay, good. Oh, we're going to get you all ready for your prop bets. So, yeah, the, the over-under is 48 and a, and a half. I think this game is both teams in the 20s easily, and I'm going 31-24. Yeah. I, I would go over on that over-under. I, I think with these offenses and the way the defenses have played in the fourth quarter of the playoffs, I think we go over. How about this, Randy? Uh well, this is. I'm going to combine these. The three one four says, "Don't ask her out to lunch. Lunch gets you stuck in the friend zone." And follow up on that from another three one four. Ask her if she wants to hit the showers. Would Uncle Randy do something like that? No, but there are some people who don't mind being rejected, and that is not a play to be accepted. Now, yeah, you can say, "Hey, you want to go out sometime," and it doesn't have to be lunch, but. You know what? If you want it to be serious, and I got the impression from the initial discussion that the guy, he saw her in the gym and he was attracted to her, so he probably wanted to make it more than just a one-night deal. I, I would suggest trying to be classy. Okay. You're just trying to be... I mean, so Uncle Randy's got a... a, a well, he's got insatiable desires, but yet he does it with class? Yeah. Is yeah, that what is you're it, telling me? Yeah, the, I have no problem with being classy. Some people do. And you know what, Dan? The the gals they love the bad boys, don't they? I guess I've I've always been considered very nice. Uh, Why do you think I got a tattoo? You are well. What's it? And this leads me to maybe wrap up the segment. When Uncle Randy goes to the club, what's the get up? And uh, and what are you doing that night? So you leave at what time? What time are you getting home? Okay. What are you wearing? So Dan, I've got an old school retro. XXXX4XL Gretzky jersey. Nice. With fleece sweats that I pack my heat in. 
Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I go commando. Is that right? Yeah, no Uncle socks. Randy goes commando. No socks and flip flops. Really? And, and shades inside the dark club. <laughs> what, do you have any jewelry? Oh yeah, I, I got a big, huge, real '99 uh, Gretzky uh, yeah. necklace that I wear. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. But it, I, I, I wear it inside unless I see a hot chick, and then I pull it out because it's all blinged. Is that right? That's my play at the club. Do you get the bottle service too and everything? Oh, big time! Yeah, yeah. you got to get the bottle service, Dan. Who's part of your uh, crew that you go out with? Oh, it, it's me and uh, boy, there's just Big Frank. So uh, yeah, Popeye. <laughs> yeah, we, we've got we, we've got quite a gang. Yeah, no like kidding. Four people in my posse. You got a posse, Dan. Yeah. I'll well, tell you sometimes, what. Dan, as you know, I'll get up on stage and do a little rap, freestyle. I have seen that. Yeah. That is legitimate. Mm-hmm. And the, the tat is legitimate. Yep. There you go. Uh, I, you just got to be running people. It's awesome. Hey, Uncle Randy, the uh, Simpsons back in 05 predicted that the Bengals beat the Rams 34-31 in the Super Bowl. Uncle Randy, do you feel that may happen? I always trust the Simpsons. Yes, I do believe that that very well could happen. Is that right? Go Bengals. So who are you picking this they, weekend, Uncle I wonder, Randy? What year was that? Nineteen. This says 05. 05. So they probably had the Bengals beating the St. Louis Rams at that point. Huh? That's right. That's right. Well, they'll beat the. Beat, they'll beat the LA Rams. I've never asked this question, Uncle Randy, and I guess we got to wrap it up yeah, here because huh? we got to yeah. stay on clock. clock yeah. Um, does Uncle Randy like Randy, or vice versa? Oh yeah. Well, of course. Well, sometimes, you know, you get the crazy uncle, they, you know, everybody's like, you got to stay away. But uh, does Uncle Randy like Randy? Of course, everybody likes Randy. Okay, I agree with that. Uncle Randy is kind of, yeah, like your your crazy uncle. With insatiable desires. Don't we all have insatiable desires at some level, Dan? Probably. There you go. Yeah. Thanks, Uh, Uncle Randy. Thank you. That's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Bring Randy back in. Coming up, Keith Law has his top 20 Cardinal prospects out at The Athletic. We'll tell you if he's right next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, it doesn't look like the Cardinal major leaguers are going to start spring training on time, but the minor leaguers are going to be able to head down to Florida and get some instruction. Anybody who's not on the 40-man roster is eligible to go to spring training and prepare for their season. They are not locked out because they aren't in a union. And Dan, Keith Law at The Athletic has put together his list of the Cardinals' top 20 prospects for 2022. And no surprise, because he's been near the top of the list for the last several years, Nolan Gorman, who will be in spring training, is number one on the Cardinals' list. And Keith Law has him at number 17 in his top 100 overall. It was interesting. Um, I I really didn't have any... uh... You know, where I looked at it and I said, oh, no, that guy needs to be higher. That guy needs to be lower or where they're at as a franchise with the franchise rankings. Kind of uh, they're close to the top third of, of Major League Baseball. And a lot of people I talked to yesterday believe that that do some of these rankings and various things. They feel like this is pretty much right on. Yeah. So what you're going to hear right now is is right, which is Nolan Gorman being their top prospect. And I, I always look at a farm system like this. Yes, you'd love to have. 20 prospects that are in the top 100. But the fact of the matter is, if you're a good team and you average bringing up a really solid rookie every year, you've got it made. Yeah. And you go through when the Cardinals 
both under Tony Larusa and especially under Whitey, they would bring up a rookie every single year that had some sort of an impact on the ball club. And this year, the expectation is that Nolan Gorman can be a guy that comes up, plays second base, will probably have the DH. He'll get an opportunity there as well. And like Keith Law writes, his power is what makes him so attractive. He's got grade 80, and that's the top level of power. He struck out 152 times in his first full pro season in 2019. That was a 32% strikeout rate, but he's cut that strikeout rate to 22% as he's traversed the system. Right, 32 to 22, projected for 35 to 40 home run power, which, boy, if you got that from a second baseman, I think you'd take that. Uh, He has made a jump of 40 spots in Keith Law's rankings. So when I looked at their top five, and the top five was Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker to Matthew Libertor, Avon Herrera, the catcher, mm-hmm. and then Mason Wynn was five. Um, I actually could see Randy even taking it further where they could have not only Gorman, but Libertor, Herrera. I think Zach Thompson has got a chance to make this, uh, make a, a major mm-hmm. league debut. Juan Yepes is in the top 10. He's on the 40 man, but he could make uh, a potential jump to the major league. So you, you're, you're talking about not only one, but multiple players uh, coming up. And the other thing is position players. Mm-hmm. It seems like historically, when you and I would be talking about this, even just a handful of years ago, it was the pitching that they were always developing. You know, it was uh, Trevor Rosenthal. It was signing Carlos Martinez, developing him. It was Lance Lynn. These kind of guys. Where now we're talking about position players that could be here for a while. We have talked about Herrera, and I want to get back to Jordan Walker, so stick around for that with Dan. But we've talked about Herrera now for a couple of years, and this is a guy that Yachty has taken a liking to. As we watch in spring training, we see Yachty spending a lot of time with him. I wonder how much of an advantage it would be for Herrera to get to the major league level, like you said, maybe in September, maybe in August of this year, and it depends on what happens with injuries. But when the heat is on, have him be around Yadi or Molina. I'm really fascinating, uh, fascinated with, um, and this pertains to Herrera, what is the viewpoint of the organization for Andrew Kisner. So the, I was asked by BK and Ferrario last week, who's at like a, a make or break season? I said, well, an easy one is Paul DeYoung. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's got he's to be better. I said, but interestingly enough, you look at Andrew Kisner, he's starting to get to that age where you got to figure out who is he, what is he, is he a backup, career backup, is he an everyday catcher? And if not, then Herrera would be the guy that is, and I think by all accounts, I think we tend to lean towards him being the mm-hmm. heir apparent to Yachty. And Kisner you know, turned 27 last week. Exactly. So I, Herrera, I was looking at some of the numbers. So he only played 18 games in 2019. Then you lose 2020. Mm-hmm. But last year, 99 games, he had 17 home runs. So he went to AAA, by the way, if you're wondering, at the very tail end of last season. So he's at that time now. He's at AAA, and that's where he's going to start this year, where you're, you're thinking, okay, he's not that far away from being a guy that you can count on. And Herrera is Keith Law's number 75 overall prospect. Now, it struck me that you didn't talk about Walker as a guy that could make his major league debut this year. Do you think he can? I do. Uh, I know that's really, really pushing. It's it. aggressive. <laughs> He's 20 yeah. years old. He's never been to Double A. He's never been to Triple A. And I think the thing that you have to look at this year would be for me a growth of facing better competition. And he's only 20, as you mentioned. But <clears throat> can he make a transition potentially to going to the outfield? 
Because if Nolan Arenado is there in the fold and you anticipate him being your everyday third baseman for many years, Jordan Walker goes to the outfield. Now, he's a big kid. He's 6'5". Mm-hmm. He's 220 pounds. He's got a big arm. He can run. And obviously, he can hit. We're talking, you know, home run power, gap power, that kind of thing. And this time next year, if we're doing this, Randy, he's number one on the Cardinals list, I would think, undoubtedly. Even if he has a poor year, he'd still be number right. one. And we're probably talking about a, a guy that's in the top 15 or top 10 of uh, prospects in all of baseball. That's that's how good this kid is. And Walker, when he was drafted, was projected as a possible right fielder. He's got a big arm. He's yeah. a big guy. Uh, and so I, I could absolutely see him getting an opportunity. You know, he's, uh, from a physique standpoint, he's similar to Jason Hayward. Yeah, exactly. The, the same body type, and I, and they project him to even get a little bit bigger. I said he's you know two hundred twenty pounds, but he's six five. They, yeah. they anticipate him growing into and being, you know, in that man's body. So, um, sky's the limit with this young man. And by the way, everything I've heard off the field too, just mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, like great kid. Seems like it. Juan Yepes is the Cardinals' number seven prospect according to Keith Law. Malcolm Nunez is a guy that I've always been intrigued by. I don't know what his ceiling is. This is a guy that won at the age of 17 uh, Dominican League Triple Crown. And he's 21 now, 5'11", 205. He's a third baseman. and probably won't, kind of like Jordan Walker, wind up playing third base. But since he started playing a lot in the Cardinals' system – his power hasn't really developed like they hoped it would. Exactly. Um, this was the one that I thought of his top 10. I was kind of like, hmm, okay, that one, that that's not a surprise, I guess, but I, I thought he might be on the outside looking mm-hmm. in. Uh, there's some that are very, very high on him, but there's others that are waiting for him to develop, to develop. So this will be a big year for him. He's third base right now, but they can move him around. They feel they can. Like Juan Yepes is a first baseman. They mm-hmm. hope he can play a little outfield. Uh, with Nunez, it's something they're going to have to figure out as they move along yeah. this season, too. Dan and I are going to touch on number 10, Michael McGreevy, but I want to give you the rest of the top 20. Tink Hentz, the 19-year-old right-hander who they drafted in 2020. Angel Rondon, we've seen him already, 24 years old. Andre Pallante, a 23-year-old right-hander, was drafted in 2019 by the Cardinals. They really like the outfielder Alec Burleson, 23 years old, 6'2", 212. He was only drafted in 2020, though. Uh, Austin Love, another right-hander who uh, is on his way to the majors. He was drafted number 90 overall just last year. Connor Lunn, a right-hander, number 16. Uh, left-handed pitcher uh, Connor Thomas, a little left-hander, 5'11", 173 is their number 17. Brendan Donovan, you know about him, the infielder, has a chance to make the team this year. Number 18, Julio Rodriguez, another catcher, is at number 19, and Alec Willis is at number 20. And I don't want to sleep, Dan, on Michael McGreevy because he could be up with the big club this year. They took him last year because he throws strikes. College right-hander, 88 to 92, can get it up to 94, and he's a guy that should be on the fast track to the majors. Yeah, we're talking about guys, you know, I was saying, I was looking at that initially saying, well, it could be two, could be three. I could see five or six of these guys, and you mentioned Burleson, you mentioned Donovan. They're they're right there on the cusp of coming up. McGreevy was at uh, basically pitching on the backfields of uh, the complex last year, and then moved to Palm Beach. So I would Im- I would imagine that he starts maybe at low A initially, and we'll see if he moves up. Now he was getting ahead a little bit, mm-hmm. but he throws strikes. You you talked about Palante. This is an interesting dude. 
And if you ever get a chance to watch him throw, he's got a really deceptive delivery, kind of one of those funky, weird ones. Um, he all, he made it all the way up to Memphis last year at the very end of mm-hmm. last year and uh, started in the Arizona Fall League. So that's something to keep in mind and had success. So that's another guy that could be there. Now, I'm going to throw a guy that we have talked a lot about before that I think has a good chance to to do something, and that's Zach Thompson. So mm-hmm. um, the hits and the walks were high last year, but much better in the Arizona Fall League. Actually, was an all-star, but he's got to figure out how to limit the walks. Yeah. And if we've learned anything about last year with the Cardinals Major League Club, throw strikes. Right, and he's got good stuff. So if he can just get the control... He can be a really good major league pitcher, so, and, and he can do a lot of things. He could start for you, or he could be a long reliever, or he could exactly. pitch late in high leverage situations. I was just going to bring that up. Is he a back-of-the-rotation guy, or is he a long reliever, or does he go on the, the path of Carlos Martinez and Hudson and some of the others that start there, then move, graduate to the rotation? That's something to, to think about. Um, also in the top ten was Mason Wynn, yeah. and Mason Wynn, we haven't talked about him. What's he going to be? <laughs> yeah, he could be a pitcher or he could be a shortstop. Hasn't pitched all that much, and and people are kind of split on him, those that I've talked to, that feel like, man, he's got such a big arm, it, you probably want him on, on the mound, where other people say, well, I get that. However, that big arm plays it short, and he's an exceptional athlete. So he's got really good bat speed. Uh, he only played a Class A, so he's only been there for one year. So it's going to take some time um, for him to develop and, and become potentially that guy that's knocking on the door to get to the major leagues as a shortstop or a reliever. But I, I would imagine the Cardinals let him do a little bit of both and then see where the career takes him from that point. And hopefully he'll get up here so that when he comes into a game, maybe as a pitcher it's... Mason win. Wow. There you go. He just wins. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's got to be his, uh, like, walking up. It's got to be. Well, it could be. There's a couple of possibilities. Oh, here we go. Well, go ahead I'm and hit him. Throwing it out there as a possibility, Dan. Win, 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 win. Yeah. Get nope. him into a game. And then do the I'm winning. Go ahead. Oh, it, I, I forgot about that one, Danny. Mm-hmm. But he's, it, it's not I'm winning. It's just got to be win because that's his name. Okay. Keith Law's top 20 at The Athletic. Next up, get your text in. Air Comfort Service, text line 65780. And we have Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Michelle is on vacation. Danny Mack is here. Matt Rocchio is here. I'm Randy Carricker. Time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Dan, Sean McVay's fiance, Veronica Homin, hopped on Instagram on Saturday night sharing a picture of she and Sean McVay lounging on the couch just watching TV at home on the Saturday night before he coaches a Super Bowl team. She said uh, as she showed the picture of she and he best nights take it or leave it if Sean McVay isn't working on football the Saturday night before the Super Bowl Saturday a week before that Saturday night before the Super Bowl he's not gonna win I'm gonna take that you got to be sleeping in your office 24 7 do you do okay that's how we win 
Yeah. That's how you do. Okay. So we need to get coaches burnout. You need to be there 24-7 and not associate with any other humans except the coaching staff and your players. That's that how a, it works. That was a publicity photo. He has a home office. That he, he got dragged out for one for five minutes to take one photo so she could post it on Facebook and be like, we have the perfect life. You think so? That, the world is fake, Danny okay. Mac. All right. <laughs> Especially not, in L.A., not, I guess, not, huh? It's not real. All right. Well, you know what? Seeing this photo of her, fake or real, I don't care. <laughs> Is that right? Uncle Randy back in the studio. All right, take it or leave it. There'll be at least four Cardinal debuts of the aforementioned uh, Keith Law's top 20 that we had uh, just went over. You'll have at least four that make a debut in 22. I'm going to take that. The Cardinals like to get their guys to the major yes, league level. So I'm, I'm absolutely going to take it. There was one year in which over 50% of the minor league system jumped like mm-hmm. the guys move, they they aggressively push guys to move yeah. from A to double A, so on and so forth. So they they really do try to to push these guys. Twenty twenty. Do you remember how many guys made their major league debuts? Oh, <laughs> that was crazy, wasn't it? It was. It was, <laughs> it was fun though. You know yeah. that that was one aspect of twenty twenty in that season that made it fun. I I love seeing major league debuts. You think Gorman, Yepes, and then two pitchers get you there pretty easy? Yeah, yeah. Libertor, I would be shocked if he didn't. I make would agree. Year. You know, Libertor though is only thrown. 235 innings of professional baseball and he led last year he led the cardinal minor leaguers but it was kind of the tale of two seasons he went from a ball remember Mm -hmm. and then had the truncated season working at the satellite camp so he goes from a ball to triple a at a very young age we just heard so much about him it seems like he's been around forever but um by the end of last season he was really good yeah so yeah i'm with you he's he's not far away matthew what do we have on the text line Take it or leave it. If the Cardinals don't win the NL Central, they won't be in the top 10 in attendance. Leave it. I'm going to leave that. I, I am fascinated um, if there's a uh, the work stoppage continues, just what attendance looks like, generally speaking, yeah. whether it's the Cardinals or Mets, Yankees. I don't care who it is, but where are people right now in, in trying to get some tickets? One thing the Cardinals have done that's brilliant in our town is is they have made going to Bush Stadium a social event. There's a lot of people that go there. In fact, it'd be interesting to know what the percentage of people leaving Bush Stadium is that don't know what the final score of the game was. I think... Um, uh, because they're going there socially. Yes, and to your point, have you been to the pa- uh, ballpark of the Palm Beaches down in Florida? Yes. Okay, so when they... So compare that to what you have at um, Roger Dean, which is when you go get your hot dog and your soda and your beer and whatever... You can't see the game. And Ballpark of the Palm Beaches has made it to where that's kind of that that concourse is wide open. So you can still see the game. And the point I'm trying to make is that at Bush Stadium, they have the Budweiser Terrace. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to start seeing if and when new ballparks go up, that there'll be sections that are close to the field. That'll be like a standing congregating area more so than here's your 10 rows of 10 seats. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. So people can sit there, have a and beer, be talk social. to your friend. and Yeah. Kurt Hunziker, who ran the St. Louis Battlehawks, came to the Battlehawks from running minor league baseball. Now he's back running minor league baseball for major league baseball. And he told me one time that the survey showed at the minor league level, and that's what they want to do, that more than 50% of the people that walked out of a minor league ballpark didn't even know what the result of the game was. That's incredible yeah. to me. Well... Take I it. guess it depends on how many beers you had, too. Yeah, and kids are... Yeah, but kids run around. They're and doing... People are talking. You're on your phone. Right, it's not about the baseball. Right. Which is a smart way to approach it. Sure. 
It's National Pizza Day. Take it or leave Ooh. it. Without Michelle in town right now, Randy should celebrate with deep dish Chicago style. Oh, totally take it. Why don't you ask somebody out there to, uh, you know, it's 8 a.m. Maybe get a pizza <laughs> here before 10, Randy. I think you just did, Dan. Well, I, I'm just I'm, I'm speaking you for you. Okay. I, you yeah, know, we'll, I, I know you have a lot we'll of connections. I saw that the DiGiorno's down in Peoria, Arizona closed. It was the only DiGiorno's. Patrick and I would go there every year. Oh, I saw that too in yeah. Arizona. I'm yeah. bummed out because I'm a DiGiorno's guy. Not DiGiorno's. Uh, no, it was uh, the, uh, well, the Chicago one. Yeah. D- the deep uh, dish. Giordano's. Giordano's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that is they, really good. You, really good. Oh. Love it. Uh, so, yeah, well, that's a good idea because Michelle is anti deep dish pizza. I love deep dish. Pie. Pie right pizza now, is right now, fantastic. Lou Malnati's is my favorite of the Chicago. Lou, I, Lou Malnati's. Malnati's. I finally great. had Lou yep. Malnati's. I had Giordano's before. I had a couple other ones. Finally had Lou Malnati's in the fall. Yeah. That's, that's my Gino's favorite Gino's East one right is really now. good, too. Yeah. Take it or I, leave it. You ever gone to Paisano's? Never have. Really good. Okay. Got to go there this year. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Had Javante Perkins not torn his ACL, Slew Basketball would be ranked in the top 15. Perkins was sixth in points per game in the eighth inning last year. Top 15? That probably puts you over the top with the wins. Uh, Auburn? Yep. Yeah, I'd take that. You might only have four losses right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'd take that then. I'll take it as well. Take it or leave it. If the Rams would have stayed in SEL, we'd be tailgating at the Super Bowl on Sunday at a state-of-the-art Riverfront Stadium. I'm going to leave that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Super Bowl. Can you imagine how cranky Cronky would have been if he would have... And by the way, I don't think they ever went on record with this, but they told people that... Once that 2015 season ended, they were never going to play another game in St. Louis. They would have gone to Oakland. If the Carson Project would have mm-hmm. gone through, they would have gone to Oakland or San Diego before they returned here. How come uh, we never got a Super Bowl? Um, it was a, you know, when you, when you build a new stadium, everybody seemed Detroit got a Super Bowl. You know, I mean, why didn't St. Louis? Because we didn't build the stadium at the with the league's approval, okay. We built the stadium to get a team. Gotcha. Okay, that's it. Unfortunate. Um, where to go here? Take it or leave it. Tyler O'Neill becomes a member of the Forty Home Run Club this year. I'm going to be optimistic and take that. He's got to stay healthy, right? Yeah, 34. I'm going to go with that. He's got to stay healthy, so that means he's going to have to play in 150 games. Sure. Yeah, he can walk yeah. into 40. Why not? Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And uh, thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. We don't have the Super Bowl media day anymore, but we do have a lot of guys talking. We're going to preview Super Bowl 56 for you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by the Schnooks Rewards app. Check out Good For You, a free wellness program available in the app today. Well, Media Day used to be crazy around the NFL. Now it's just media zooms. And you don't have uh, Inez signs walking around. You don't have downtown Julie Brown walking around. You don't have little kids, eight-year-old reporters on the Zoom. Yeah, you, you don't have that anymore. By the way, do you see that baseball is going back to in-person uh, post-game, pre-game interviews in the clubhouse? I believe that is good to hear. I think that came out last night from the uh, Baseball Writers Association. They they needed that. That's a good thing. Yeah. So Matthew Stafford, obviously playing in his first Super Bowl after some miserable years in Detroit, although he did have a couple of playoff years under Jim Caldwell. 
But being in the Super Bowl now is a product of some of the things that he learned with the Lions. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know that there was a single time or an instance, but I think, uh, you know, just the ability to, uh, you know, to, to overcome adversity. You know, I mean, I know that sounds cliche, but there was plenty of time in Detroit where, you know, we were having a tough, tough stretch of games or I was having a, you know, a tough quarter or a tough half, whatever it was, and being able to just, you know, trust yourself, trust your preparation and go to work, um, you know, and continue to work and, and trust your teammates and all that kind of stuff uh, that, that really, you know, I, I still feel that way and think that way today. You know, we had a tough stretch in our season this year in the month of November where, you know, we didn't win, uh, you know, a football game and, and, you know, lost three in a row there. I didn't play particularly good football, um, you know, but we just continued to work and we continued to trust each other, continue to understand that the process of us going to work every single day is what's going to get us out of that. And, and I'm hoping that, you know, if I bring that attitude and guys, you know, if I help turn one guy's attitude on this team, maybe it helped us get to this point. Um, but that's things that, you know, you don't really learn unless you go through some tough times, some tough adversity. And, and uh, there were some times in Detroit that, that really, you know, taught me that. And, uh, you know, I've carried it with me. It's interesting when you look at these two quarterbacks, how Joe Burrow, Dan, really hasn't had to deal with much adversity on the football field. There's a clip going around of him losing the Ohio State Championship game. And somebody said, what are you going to re- remember from this? He said, the pick. It's going to stay with me forever. Mm-hmm. And he's a senior in high school. But... I guess the biggest adversity he had to deal with was not getting a chance to play at Ohio State. But in terms of when he's been playing, Joe Burrow has always won. I would say the adversity that he's faced was being sacked nine times in that Mm -hmm. one game uh, to get to the Super Bowl. And Randall, it's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmys Jimmys and Joes. And Joe Burrow. And you better have, uh, you got to have players. And Burrow will have a guy in his face. We know this on Sunday. Former St. Louis Ram, number 99, Aaron Donald, who still, even though he plays in L.A., goes back to Pittsburgh every offseason. That's his home. That's where he works out. And that's where he played college football. So he was asked what this game will mean to that city. Uh, I got kind of a two-parter for you, but T. Boyd was just telling us today about the time you tackled two guys against Duke, so I think you can handle it. Um, The first one just, I mean, I've been covering you since Pitt, so, you know, I understand it, but for people who aren't from Pittsburgh, can you kind of sum up why it's so important for, you know, a guy from Penn Hills to be playing against the guy from Clareton in this game, what it means to those communities? And then, you know, with Tyler, do you remember remember your first impressions of him when he got the pit? Did you kind of know, like, this is going to be the next guy after me. Well, it, I think it's huge for the city. I think I know the, the city's showing a lot of support just from, you know, two guys from around the area that, you know, that's, that's planning the Super Bowl. I think that's huge, man. So um, I know we got a lot of support. And I, I, you watching Boyd, you know, in high school, he was a talent that was like no other. He was definitely a special a ball player. But when he got to, to college, I, as a true freshman, he did a lot of things in camp that, you know, that stuck out, but you know, you never know until you play the game. And I think the first time that I seen we was able to do our first game of the season, we played um, was it Florida, Florida State, and he had a, he had a day, man. I think he was making some unbelievable catches. He had got a reverse and broke a long run. So I kind of knew from there that he was going to be a special type of talent, man. So um, to see his growth um, to where he at today, man, um, that's big for him. So I'm proud of him, you know. So. By the way, Randall, do you know how many uh, St. Louis Rams are still on that roster? I think there's only like three or four. Havenstein, Hecker, Donald. There might be one more. Okay, that's it. Yeah, the long snapper and the kicker are gone to Dallas. Uh, 
I can't think of anybody else. That I I just think of Hecker. I think of Donald. Yeah. You know, so not many, no. not many at all. No. And, and as good as Boyd is, the guy that uh, Donald was talking about, he's been upstaged this year by Jamar Chase, their number one pick. And <laughs> people come up with interesting questions on Media Day. A lot of people anticipated the Bengals picking offensive line in last year's draft to protect franchise quarterback Joe Burrow after a season-ending ACL injury. But ultimately, yeah, as we all know, they went and chose you. Do you think the Bengals would still be here at the Super Bowl in this position if they took a player like Penny Sewell? I don't know. <laughs> I ain't here to answer that. I know I'm, that's not my job. So. I mean, they picked me, and that's what we got here. So they must have made the right decision. I would say that they made the right yeah. decision. Yeah. What kind of question is that? That's not very good, is it? No. That's a media day thing. What's the uh, you've you've covered these media days? Mm-hmm. So it's a terrible question. The oddest question or scenario you can remember that you were in person for? Like we've all seen the videos of, like you said, downtown Julie Brown, mm-hmm. other people that were there, uh, people that are outside of sports asking these questions. Is there anything that you remember that stood out? I was in San Diego for Doug Williams. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was there. What's it like? Uh, yeah. How long have you been a black quarterback? Right. Right. <laughs> man, oh, man. Jeez. Yeah. Unreal. Unreal. And Joe Burrow, second year in the league. We mentioned he hasn't dealt with much adversity. So now he's in Super Bowl 56. That feels great. We worked very hard to to be in this position. I don't, I wouldn't say it's surprising. Um you know, I know the kind of guys we have in the locker room and the coaching, ch- coaching staff works really hard to put us in, in good positions to be successful. I guess the adversity would be coming back from the injury. Though. Yeah, that's you know, the that, biggest That would thing. be the one thing that um, – but I think you were when you were talking about adversity, you were talking about it in a different realm. But that is something, man, to, to be a four-win team, be injured, come back, feel that you're healthy enough to do it. And, and you got to wonder, when you're a four-win team, you're kind of like – how bad are we? Yeah. You know, how far away are we? But if you looked at what they did free agency-wise and started looking over the last two years, they might be the best in terms of what they identified and signed. They've got a 99 Rams vibe to them. They do. So yeah. I, I, I'm obviously rooting for them. That's Dan. I'm Randy. And that is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. It's coming up on 812. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. A, a little bit more Uncle Randy for you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, uh, Randy's annual PSA. So in 2010, Christmas time, go back to summertime of 2010. I ride my bike on a regular basis. I go for walks with the dogs. And during that summer, I would feel like a clicking in my chest. But after about 10 minutes, I get warmed up and I'd feel fine. We got to December 2010. I'm walking into the dome for a Rams pregame show. And I have a shortness of breath and I have to sit down and take a break before I go in to the dome. And I decide, okay, this is serious. I better go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor and they put me on a stress test, Dan, and I'm on the, the, this is Christmas Eve of 2010. 
and I'm on the treadmill doing this stress test, and the person conducting the stress test, it's only me and her, she presses a button on the machine, and it was like an FBI raid. In a matter of seconds, there were 20 people in the room because I had an issue. They wouldn't even let me drive across the street. I'm at St. Luke's at the outpatient center, and I said, I can drive across the street. They said, no, you aren't driving across the street. They literally took me across the street in an ambulance, and I got a stent put in. I was home the next day. So fast forward a couple of, a year after that, right after Christmas time, I start to feel a burning sensation in my chest. And I go to my great cardiologist, Morton Rinder. He's the best. And I said, hey, I just want to tell you, I'm feeling this. Uh, and, and I'm not really concerned. I'm still drinking Mountain Dew. It might be, might be heartburn. I don't know. He said, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to the Super Bowl the next week in Indy. He said, go to the Super Bowl, take it easy, don't do anything crazy there. And then when you come back, we'll do a stress test. I said, cool. So 10 years ago today, I went in for a stress test, another stress test at St. Luke's Outpatient Center. Got through it, no problem at all. Blasted through it. And Dr. Rinder comes back and he says, hey, we've seen some irregularities. We want to put another stent in. Is that okay? I said, yeah, cool. I'll be back to work the next day. And uh, he looks again at my paperwork and the imaging that he has, comes back into my room and says, you know what? Or no, he, he actually took me out, tried to put a stent in. I wake up and he's saying, uh, we're going to have to do bypass. He said, wow. we, we can't do a stent where your blockage is. You've got a 95% blockage right at the Widowmaker and we're going to have to do quadruple bypass. I said, okay, whatever. And I was on a on a blood thinner because of the stent the previous time. He said, you got to stay here for five w- days to get the blood thinner out of your system. We'll do bypass and get you out of here. I said, okay, fine. So I'm in the hospital for five days. And you learn who your friends are when you're in the hospital because it's a lonely place. And guys, if you ever have a friend in the hospital, go visit the friend in the hospital. But Danny Mack, one of my best friends, visited me at St. Luke's. Mike Claiborne, Demetrius Johnson, Frank Cusimano, uh, Courtney South then, Courtney Files now, her her married name. uh, Several others visited me in the hospital before and after I had the surgery and made me feel a whole lot better about just being there because it's... Even though the people are incredibly nice, the nurses are great, doctors are great. Cordy Cordis performed my surgery, and he couldn't have been better. Uh, Dr. Rinder was there every day. But you like to have friends, and I'm forever thankful that you showed up and that DJ and, and Klaibs and uh, and these are people that showed up multiple times. Coos uh, showed up and were just there to sit around and commiserate with me during the the course of all of this. And... That's one part of my PSA. The other part is, guys, doesn't matter how old you are. I was 49 when I had my quadruple bypass. If you feel a sensation in your chest, if something doesn't feel right, go to your doctor. We all try to be heroes, especially at that age. I'm 59 now, 49, 45, 40. Don't play hero ball. Go get it checked. If you feel a burning sensation or a clicking in your chest, it might be nothing, but I tell this story every year, Dan, and I, I ran into a guy at rehab one time at St. Luke's, and I was walking out, and he was walking, and he said, you Randy Carrick? I said, yeah. He said, hey, I want to tell you something. I heard you on 101 ESPN telling your story, and I felt a burning sensation in my chest, and I didn't think anything of it. So I went to my doctor, 
And he said, I would have died. He said, I, I would have died if I wouldn't have come to him. And I wouldn't have come to him if it wasn't for you telling your story. And there's a lot of us. I, when I had my stent the first time in 2010, my doctor said, you were right there in Daryl Kyle territory. He wow. said, the next couple of days, you might not have been with us anymore. So it's my double PSA. Number one, if you have a friend in the hospital, visit them because it'll make them feel a lot better. And number two, guys and gals, if you feel anything unusual in your chest, get yourself to a doctor. Can I... Uh... We're just we, we got time. We, yeah, the, we, I, we I can just share to, this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, can I tell you the real reason I showed up? Yeah, sure. I just wanted to see if I was in the will. <laughs> and you are. Okay. You I were just wanted to and check. Are? No, I didn't. <laughs> I love you, buddy. I, that's why I, I was do. there. Um, so, is this ten years to the day? See, well, ten years to the day that I went in, I actually had the surgery on Valentine's Day, okay. on the day of the heart. I had my heart is surgery. That right? Yeah. Holy and, smokes! And I always tell my family. I love when, it when you do this. You, I was here last yeah, year when you did this, yeah. and you talk about it because it, it is important well, for people to hear this. Because I don't think that we realize. We do think, oh, it's just something I ate or just something I'm drinking. I need to change my diet a little bit. Yeah. I would have never thought. I, I thought I was eating too much Taco Bell. I, <laughs> right. I would have never dreamed that I had a genetic predisposition to having a blockage in my heart. And by the way, we all, that's, that's an imperfect organ. We all would be better, our, our lives, and it's crazy to say, our hearts would work better if we all had bypasses. Because That is crazy to say, Randy. It is, but the way the heart is shaped, there are issues that have a tendency to crop up with a lot of us. And when I first went in for the stent, I thought, ah, no, there's no problem. And that second time I went in, I actually experienced some fear. I said, man, I might die because of this. Sure. So I, I, I advise everybody, and I did it, I advise everybody if they have that that issue to, to get to your primary doctor. And if you need a cardiologist, Dr. Morton Rinder at St. Luke's is the best that you'll ever run across. He's, he's kind of like become my primary doctor whenever I have an issue. I just go visit him. Sure. Uh, but I, I just want people out there to, to be alive for your families. I want yeah. you to be around for them because... It's hey, there's a lot of people that do pass away unnecessarily because they're tougher or they think they're tougher than they are. It, so well put. I you made me think of the Taco Bell downtown that you and I used to go to yeah. at KMOX. By the way, phenomenal. But man, they would load it up, Randy. We'd have we'd oh, have a lot of Taco oh. Bell. <laughs> we we, we crushed some Taco Bell yes, over we did. the years. Um, no, it's actually, it, and I tell doctors even to this day that the. The viscous viscousness of my blood is similar to Taco Bell mild sauce. <laughs> you just get a little cut that comes to Taco Bell sauce. Um, no, it takes guts to say that story, and I'm I'm so thankful that you did what you did because yeah. life wouldn't be the same, no. man. No, I, I don't know what I. Who am I going to talk well, to when I I got to? I always got to get you know stuff. Yeah. I almost said a bad word. I always yeah. got to get stuff off my chest. No, it's so uh, I call yeah. you. Hey, and there 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 are people we we love each other. There are people in this world that love you and that care about you and that need you around. One other note here, by the way, if the doctor does determine that something is awry, and you do have to either get a stent or go in for surgery, whatever surgery you might have, do the rehab. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people I would go into that rehab center and 
they wouldn't do anything. It was like, okay, well, I had the surgery. I'm good. Do the rehab. You know who was best at rehab was Whitey Herzog. Whitey and I would always see each other <laughs> Is that at right? the gym. Yeah. And uh, we were both working hard to get back into shape. And here's Whitey, 90 years old now, yeah. doing, doing well. And he, he was committed to it. So don't think that just because you have a surgery that you're good, if your doctor tells you to go to rehab, go to rehab too. You know, Whitey's going to be part of uh, Ozzy's event this weekend. Next week, yeah, so the 17th. Is it this weekend or next weekend? February 17th. 17th, okay. Yeah. Um, I told Ozzy, we we did a little TV thing. I said, you better carve out about a good 20 minutes for yeah. one question for Whitey because he's got it. The amazing thing about Whitey, and you're right, he's 90, which is incredible to live that long. It's it's a credit to him, but he is so sharp, Randy, as you well know. I mean, we, we could bring him in here and say, hey, an 85 against uh, the Pirates on that Saturday day, and you'd made mm-hmm. this move. And he'd go into the whole thing of why he was doing it, what he was doing. And he still, I, I see him at the ballpark all the time, all the time. He still comes to games all the time. And sometimes he's sitting in the seats, you know, amongst the fans. Sometimes he's got a suite, and we'll sit there and we'll pull him aside and we'll say, hey, what do you think about this in the game? And his his thoughts are just incredible. Amazing, yeah. And he's following the game today. Yeah. So he can tell you exactly what's not only with the Cardinals, but with the game in general. Right. And he's great. Uh, I, I just find it fascinating. Yeah. But I'm so glad that you told that story. Yeah. And, and I'm I so wanna, glad you keep doing this. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. I want to get to a couple of texts and tell one other quick story. We do need a fighter, by the way. Text 65780 with the word fight and your name, and we'll get a fighter for the fight. A couple of texts from the 636. Me too, Randy. Drove myself to the hospital. Bad heartburn that wouldn't stop. It was a heart attack. Stent and quadruple bypass. Uh, from the 573, yes, Randy. Do the rehabilitation and take your medication. And this one from the 636. Uh I had my first heart attack September 4th. I drove myself to the hospital. They put three stints in my chest, and they were supposed to do four. And my wife asked why they didn't do the fourth. The doctor told her, your husband wouldn't have lived through the fourth stint. I was 45 years old. Don't wait. Get it checked out. And I got to mention Joan here, because when I came back from the, the stint that they were going to put in, that they decided they couldn't, I was out. And half out. And Dr. Rinder is telling Joan what they're going to do. And she has seen Talladega Nights. And so she says, Doctor, I've been thinking about it. And I think we should just pull the plug. (laughs) 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 And uh, so just like uh, Carly Bobby. Yeah. And and actually, Dr. Rinder came back and said, Mrs. Carricker, your wife's only taking a nap. So (laughs) it was perfect. But the other thing was, Dr. Rinder said, "Um, we didn't put a stent in. We're going to do do the bypass, and this is going to be a 50-year fix. And she said, does it have to be 50? 50? Right. (laughs) So you knew my dad had some health issues and various things, and uh, you just reminded me of a story. We call my mom sometimes Dr. Kevorkian because um, they they went to her, and similar thing. My dad is out, and this is—he's been gone for two and a half decades. But they, doctor said, "Boy, you know, we can try this procedure. We're not sure he's." And before he, she's like, "Yeah, don't worry about it. We're good." And I'm like, "Mom, you, no, we're gonna try the procedure. Let's, you know." And I had to step up, and she's like, oh, "Okay, well, we'll try it. I guess." You know, I said, "Mom, you're like Doctor Kevorkian here." I'm kidding, amazing, Mom. Amazing. So, hey, guys and, and gals, we want you here. We want you around, and that's why we tell that story. And uh, if you were 
if you were bothered by it, we apologize, but we just want everybody That's... to be healthy and hearty and able to listen to the show. Speak, by the way, who did Jack call uh, Dr. Kevorkian? Oh. It was... Uh... Oh, yeah. So, it was a bad call or an umpire or something yeah. like that. <laughs> he said that on the air, and I about fell out of my chair. Yeah. Well, there was hilarious. a uh, Rock Hill police officer that he called the Prince of Darkness. Because <laughs> he pulled everybody over. That guy retired. I don't know if he still, was still with us. But yeah, so Jack, you come on here. Got pulled over by the Prince of Darkness today. <laughs> Great. We've got the fight next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. All right, good morning to Corey. He is the challenger, the fighter today for Randy Carricker. And good morning, Corey. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing good. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing great. Uh, what do you do for a living? What allows you to listen to this fine program? Uh, I work for a, uh, a grocery wholesale company, so I'm on the road uh, going to help a store out today. Excellent. All right, here we go. Let's uh, start with question one. Matt will have two and four. I'll do one and three. So question number one, Wayne Gretzky is the all-time NHL points leader by over 900, the all-time NHL assist leader by over 700. Who is second on the NHL's all-time assist list? Is it Yammer Yager, Mark Messier, or Ron Francis? Mark Messier. Matt? Three Blues have won All-Star Game MVP. Brett Hall, Gary Unger, and who is the third? Is it Mike Leute, Jacques Plante, or Bernie Federko? Uh, Federko. Well, we pointed it out yesterday. The football Cardinals didn't win a playoff game in their time in St. Louis. How many total playoff games, though, did they play in? Was it two, three, or four? Two. And who has the most 20 rebound games in NBA history? Is it Moses Malone, Dennis Rodman, or Will Chamberlain? Uh, Will Chamberlain. All right, let's bring in uh, Randy Carricker. He's not in my line of sight, Dan. Oh, there he is. Hey, Randy. He was, he was blending into the shadows. Let's go. Sorry. <laughs> Why are you carrying a... Uh... A fluorescent spoon. I just had some yogurt. Oh, did you? Okay. Well, you're staying healthy. Protein, yeah. I okay. thought he was going to keep that joke going from off, from off the air. <laughs> oh, he's got a great joke he wants to tell about Valentine's Day <laughs> a little later in the show. Uh, Randy, say uh, good morning to Corey. Good morning, Corey. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. That's when you're saying, Corey, no problem. All right. Here's question one. Wayne Gretzky, Randall. Great one. The great one. Mm-hmm. He's the, old... is the good one, Brent. But they combined to score a lot of points. They did, yes. Now, Wayne is the all-time points leader by over 900. Ooh. And the all-time NHL assist leader by over 700. Yes. Who is second on the NHL's all-time assist list? The all-time assist list. I'm going to go, Dan, with uh, Ron Francis. One time, almost a blue. 
Three Blues have won the All-Star Game MVP. Brett Hull, Gary Unger, and who is the third? I'm going to uh, I'm going to try David Backus here. We pointed this out yesterday, Randall. Mm-hmm. The St. Louis Football Cardinals. Mm-hmm. They Big didn't risk. win a playoff game here. No. But how many total playoff games did they play in? Well, Dan, yes. Some people think the playoff bowl in 1964 was a playoff game. It was not considered by the league to be a playoff game. In 1974, they lost to the Vikings. In 1975, they lost to the L.A. Rams. In 1982, in the strike-shortened season, they lost to Just give me the, number. the Green Bay Packers. I'm <laughs> I'm playing it out in my mind here. All right. That I believe there also were flexing. three playoff games that they played as the St. Louis football card. Is that your final answer? I'll go with it. Three. And who has the most 20 rebound games in NBA history? This is a good I'm, one. Yeah. Uh, it seems like logically Bill Russell would be the guy. I'm going to go with Bill Russell. Since he had a 50 rebound game in the finals one time. Where are we on the clock? And we're coming up to 8.45. Go ahead and ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. Yo, you got plenty of time. It's only 8.39. What else you want to play? Oh, what else did I have, Dan? Let's see. Win, 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 win. Did that. Don't stop believing. Did that. Mm-hmm. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Is that anymore? Oh, it's too hot. There you go. Getting happy. Not really. (laughs) Randy wins the fight, Corey. But let's go over the answers if we can here. The uh, second on the NHL's all-time assist list. You were correct, Randall. Ronnie Francis. So the Blues in 1990-91, when they made the trade for Garth Butcher... Ron Caron apparently had a deal set up where the Blues could have gotten Ulf Samuelson and Ron Francis. That's right. They wound up going to the Penguins yep. and leading the Penguins to Stanley Cups. And it just was crazy that uh, the Blues at that point didn't get those two guys. Ulf Samuelson was a good player, he too. He would have been so good for that team, yes. too. That's what they needed. And Ronnie Francis was incredible. Yeah. Three Blues have won the NHL All-Star Game MVP. Brett Hall, Gary Unger, and Mike Leute. Ludi. Ludi. A highly successful agent now, Randall. Yeah, I wonder how many goalies have won the All-Star Game MVP award. Good question. They just get fired on, too, now. Yeah, right. Bunch it's of not fair. odd man rushes. All right. The football Cardinals, as Randy went through the litany of games, all three of them, and the scores and what happened in each quarter and time of day. And Can I give you that weather. on the Saturday they flew into Green Bay for that 1982 game, They the <laughs> airplane, the football Cardinals plane, Slid off the runway. Yes. It was almost a tragic situation, but they got off, and then they went and got hammered by the Packers. Yeah, it was three. Go ahead, man. And who has the most 20-rebound games in NBA history? It is actually Dennis Rodman. Wow. And it's not close. That's amazing. <laughs> Which that is really amazing is. to me, yes. Bill Russell and Chamberlain are not even in the top 20 in the list of total 20-rebound wow. games when you consider just the stats they put up. Yeah. Um, in, in fact, Andre Drummond. Is currently number is number two and he's active and he's not a very good player. That's which is amazing. Crazy 
shows you how great he was, Dennis Rodman. Yeah, right. Great defender, clearly. When I think of Dennis Rodman, well, there's a lot of things I think of, but just purely the basketball sense of I mean, he was a lockdown defender. He was awesome. Now, he mm-hmm. also got after it on the boards, but I never would have imagined he'd be the guy that had the most 20 rebound games. That's incredible. Didn't uh, didn't Russell have several years where he averaged 20 rebounds a game? That's what I thought. I would have gone, my my guess was Bill Russell or Chamberlain. But Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Good, good trivia question. All right, then. All right, wh- who are the uh, lifelines, by the way, for those? You went with Moses Malone, Matt, Dennis Rodman, and Will Chamberlain. Okay. When, I, when, I, when I got asked the question, those my first two guests were Moses Malone because he was just a prodigious rebounder, and, and he doesn't have the the large numbers because he didn't play as long as other guys. But in his time, he was you know one of the best. And then, like you said, you went Bill Russell because of the egregious stats. I mean, that's the same thing with Chamberlain. I mean, he had seasons where he averaged yeah. you know nineteen twenty rebounds per game. Uh, Bill Russell averaged twenty two and a half for his career. Yes, Ooh. that's amazing. So to and he led the league five that's different times. To, I, that's why I'm trying to figure out how Dennis Rodman. Yeah, maybe this, maybe this, uh, maybe they're calculating it after a certain year. That could be well, my mistake. I'm sorry. All right. Yeah, no problem. Well, either way, you both got it wrong. Yeah, we did. <laughs> so I mean, all right, not going to change the course of the so fight. <laughs> there we go. Sorry. Uh, coming up, David Perron with Dan oh, okay, and Randy good. on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. He gets the job done on the ice every night. Perron, he tucked it in like you put the corner of his seat underneath your mattress in the morning. Blues forward David Perron, and he joins Character and Smallman right now. Perron, he scores! On 101 ESPN, driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. Michelle Smallman is on vacation. Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker with you. The Blues back in action tomorrow night. The New Jersey Devils will be in town, and it's time for our weekly visit with our friend David Perron, Blues winger, and uh, he's on the home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing well. How's it going? Everything's good. How have you enjoyed the break here? Good. Went down to uh, Mexico in the uh, Mayacoba area where there's a PGA uh, tournament in the fall season uh, with a couple guys and and our wives. And we just kind of enjoyed having some time with, without the kids for a bit. And then sure enough, there, were, there had to be a, a big snowstorm here and. <laughs> Uh, grandma wasn't uh, probably as happy of, of the kids <laughs> missing three days of school, but it is what it is. We had we had a good time. Uh, it was good, good way to get some energy, get get some sun, a little bit of golf time, and uh, we had we had a lot of good time there. Now, David, during the season when you do, when you don't get as much time to play, that first time back when you go on a vacation, how do you hit them? Are are you just a, a guy that played as a kid, so you've got your swing all the time, or do you have to kind of get in a groove? <laughs> Um, well, first of all, we had rental clubs, so that's never easy to just kind of pick up. And then the stiffness is different. Everything's different. Uh, putting, new course, obviously a pretty hard one uh, being a PGA uh, course. Um, so the first day I shot 96, and the second day I shot 79, which is more my standard. <laughs> and I, I, I thought about retiring after the first day, but uh, <clears throat> the guys got me back out there for a second day, and uh, I'm glad I did because, obviously, every time you, you have a good round, you, 
you get excited to play again. And uh, but yeah, like to answer your question, I, I think I'm pretty natural as as far as that. Like I don't really uh, completely miss hit the ball or, or or miss the ball at all. So uh, all three of us uh, had some solid uh, rounds there, good times. What's your handicap? I'm right now. I think I'm a. Six point one or something like that, or five point. I don't know, some, somewhere around there. I played. Uh, I played there uh, as a six. I think Bozak played as a one, and he's very good. Uh, but I was able to snag a couple dollars away from him, and that felt pretty good. <laughs> who else <laughs> that matters? Who, who else was down there with you? It was Bozak, and who else? O'Reilly. We, it was the three of us. Uh, we went down there again. Uh, Pretty, pretty cool resort we were at and uh, some good time with our wives. We had some dinners together, some dinners with just kind of with our wives. And then, um, yeah, we went out two days of golf. And uh, we started one day. It was 7 a.m., pitch black outside. Uh, the guys were like, why did you get the tea time so early? Kind of giving it to me. And uh, <laughs> But then we figured it out that obviously there's a lot of people that want to play that course because pretty cool it's a good time of the year to go down there too and uh we had the first tea time that day so we we went around the course really well i think they enjoyed that after once we got going now this may be kind of a weird question so work with me here it's it's dan here um and so yep. you know i ask weird questions so uh when i, I like play, that oh good so when i play with former hockey players when i look at their their golf swing and i'm not saying it's like a slap shot because it's not but guys don't take it back very far they just seem to kind of take it back a little bit, and then bam. I mean, they hit it. Don't get me wrong. Hockey players can smoke it, but they don't have, like, the long extension with the backswing. You know what I mean? They, they don't take it back really far. They just kind of take it back a little bit, three quarters, and then boom. Are you guys like that, or do you see that with hockey players when you play golf? Um, I would say that Bozak and O'Reilly have some really good swings. Uh, I, I honestly – don't really have ever seen myself like swing and no one's like filming me when I'm hitting or whatever. I don't even know how much, but all I know is I hit it far enough and, and really far that uh, I don't have to worry about bringing my club back more. <laughs> I bet. Um, so yeah. And then I, I figured out, uh, I got this hybrid club that I got like a couple of years ago and with my driver, I kind of fade it more like usually. And then with the hybrid, it's the other way around. I, I draw it. So, I, I kind of have a shot for for whichever hole kind of needs to be played at, and that yeah, that really took my game to another level. Do you got to work on your grip here, then? <laughs> you know, with the driver, you're probably a little flimsy, and then on the you know, I'm just saying. Uh, Thanks, Coach Dan. No, but if, if you see me drive one time, you'll never question my drive. Ah, there <laughs> I love you go. It. I love it. <laughs> you'll be a hundred yards behind me. <laughs> <laughs> at least I guarantee it. Hey, one more golf question. Do you, do you have a bucket list course that you'd like to play? Um, I think like obviously like uh Pebble Beach, T P C Sawgrass, couple of those ones. Like growing up I, I used to play the Tiger Woods uh, PGA video game and those were always two of them. Obviously Sawgrass with the I think seventeen hole uh, par three uh island kinda uh would be probably the number one hole I'd like to play and it's it's funny, I've never had a hole in one and down there I was very close to one on, on one of the holes uh by the beach kind of the, the winds blowing into you really hard obviously being close to the beach and then you, you have to take like two or three clubs uh more and still kind of uh play it right and I, I did that day and uh it didn't go in it would have been a great story yeah and then you missed the putt and that was really <laughs> tough to swallow no, no it was just a foot from the hole so it was good 
Uh, are, are you guys ready to go? I mean, was it good to get back on the ice, or did do you really just say, hey, this this break is, you know, well, we ought to try to do this more often. What, what was it like getting back on the ice? Uh, I, th- I think the guys, like mid-January, when we found out when we would have our break and, and how many days, guys got, got excited about that because initially, obviously, we thought we'd have longer with the Olympics, all that, and that was kind of a bummer that it changed. You know, everything was up in the air. We didn't know when we'd play games. Now our schedule's set again. Uh, so we are excited. We we all came back, I think, at the early. We even skated a couple days before we had to skate yesterday, uh, a lot of us. And, um, yeah, we're just rejuvenated right now. We, we have energy. We're ready to go. And we're hitting a stretch right now where uh, it's going to be cool as a team. Where I think we have a chance to really take our, our, our team game to another level. Being on the road, we're going to have a chance to, to hang out uh, – a lot of restrictions. We don't have testing anymore. A lot of stuff that have changed are going to change throughout the world. So uh, I, that's also exciting for, for the guys, and uh, we'll get to know each other even more. David Perron with us on 101 ESPN. David, what's the biggest challenge in coming back from a break like this one? You guys, uh, obviously the, the the shutdown was a little different when you came back in the bubble, but you've had to come back before after a 10, 11-day break. What's the biggest challenge from it? Oh, just get get your attitude right, your mental mentality right. Uh, instantly, uh, the first, from the first game, I think you have to to make sure you bring that work ethic as high as you can. Um, I think it was two years ago we had the the Christmas break, we had the bye week that year, we had the All Star game. So I think it's not, it's not something that guys aren't used to. Maybe for younger guys, it's, it's got to be a little bit different. Maybe as uh, us older guys, got to talk to them about that. If if we see that. Uh, we come out, let's say, the first pair, and maybe the mentality is not right, whatever it is. But uh, I'm not too worried. I think the guys have, have done a good job. We've had some uh, good practice yesterday, good practice the day before, just the guys together. And I think we're ready to go. Along those lines, you mentioned the young guys. How about Jordan Cairo's All-Star Weekend? Yeah, no, we we just kind of followed, like, social media. We didn't – I didn't watch uh, – I just saw, obviously, he won the fastest lap, and I'm not even surprised if, if I had uh, – to put money on on someone, I would have I would have bet on him for sure. Just seeing seeing him every day, I'm a, a huge fan of his. Uh, I've mentioned his name uh, several times to you guys in our interview, but not just just not just to you guys, to anyone that talks to me about him, basically. So I was really happy happy for him. It looked like he had a good time. I thought Vegas did a good job there to try some new events. Um, looks like uh, they had some some good viewers as well. So it's great for the game. So when uh, when Cairo comes back, obviously you guys are happy for him, and and you know there's uh, you know a feeling of a teammate that's done well. But you got to give him some trouble. Did you guys give him some trouble, or did you give him any trouble about the fastest skater competition? What in a good way, obviously, because you're you're happy for him. Um, <laughs> yeah, very happy. Uh, no, I, I mean. Not really. I think I think guys were just happy for him. Like uh, we still treat him like normal. It's not like we're like, oh man, that's like whatever. We're just happy. Like for him, to, I think the place will get in trouble is next game we play. He's gonna have to put a couple dollars on on the board for the boys because I, I we know that he when you win a competition in the All Star game, you win a little money. So I think that's where the guys will probably give him trouble before uh-huh. the 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 next game that we play. Hey David, one last thing for me. You, you mentioned that you think this team can go on a roll, and you've been on teams that have gone on a roll, whether it was that Vegas team or, or the Blues in 2019 or the, the uh, Blues team in 2016, I think it was. W- what do you see that makes you believe this team is going to go on a roll? 
Well, I think we've played some solid hockey since the start of the season in many aspects of our game. Uh, we've also improved in other aspects. I think that uh, we really see teams right now starting to separate themselves, and we want to be one of them. I think there's also areas of our game that we can get better at, we can improve. And, uh, again, the, I think going on the road, uh, hanging out together a little bit more and all that type of stuff, it will kind of show uh, where we want to go as a direction of the team. And uh, it's going to be an important stretch here. I think it's in my, uh, February, mid-February. We have a lot of games, obviously, in Canada. Then um, early March, uh, we're going to New York for a week. Those are all big games. I think New York Rangers are play, playing some good hockey. Um, so we won't have as much practice time once, once uh, March uh, comes around. But uh, at the same time, I think the guys are comfortable playing every day. That's, again, that's when you see teams really separate themselves. Um, the depth of a club can, can really show all kinds of things like that. So I'm excited to see what, how we pan out. Okay, uh, Randy's going to put his house uh, and the mortgage. He's going to take this to Vegas based on your recommendation. So be uh, be solid with this, David. Uh, who do you like this weekend in the Super Bowl and the score? And again, it's only Randy's livelihood <laughs> and his house. Yeah, but, you know, no big deal. Yeah. Well, I mentioned that fans wouldn't be happy with me, but Pareko yeah. and I ended up with the Rams, and uh, I don't know if I can go against that because I really want to win that, that money as well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame so, you. But I, we were, some of the guys, before we went down to uh, Mexico, eight of us, we went to Kansas City watched watch the Chiefs game last week, and obviously we're disappointed with the result, but um, it was a great game. We, we were very impressed, obviously, with Joe Burrow, the way he led that team in the second half to to bring it back, so I don't know, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be a tight one, but I, I think I'm gonna go with the Rams just because I my heart's into it right now too. I, I want it to happen uh, for for Pareko and I, but uh, I, I don't know if I mortgage uh, my house and uh, for, for that one. I don't know enough. You should ask other guys on, on the team for, for if you want some real advice. Yeah, we'll, oh no, I'm going with you. You're you're on the hook for this yeah, one. We'll talk the, to the guys that drew the Bengals. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> David. We can't wait to see you back on the ice tomorrow night. Always good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Have fun tomorrow, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks. See you later. Hopefully, uh, Randy's got a roof over his head next yeah, week. Really? You know? Thanks, David. Yeah. He's awesome, man. He's I love terrific. talking to him. Love the guy. He's great. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're talking a lot about trade deadline moves for the Blues, but how realistic is a big move? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Danny Mack, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And, Dan, a lot of discussion, as there should be, about what the Blues can add at the trade deadline with the the lack of size, nominally, on defense. I do think I'm told something when the Blues signed Robert Bortuzzo to the two-year extension yesterday. They aren't replacing Robert Bortuzzo. No. I thought if there was a move to be made, unless they can find the taker for Scandella, which I think is a dicey proposition, I kind of thought that they would try to upgrade and get a regular guy rather than Bortuzzo. But Bortuzzo is such an important guy in that room and as a part-time player because he accepts his role that obviously they re-signed him. And I think now... You can't. You almost can't with your cap constraints be in the Jacob Chikrin 
sweepstakes. It's going to take four things to get Chikrin. It's going to take, and, and that's before you move any cap uh, room, but it's going to probably take a couple of number ones and a couple of players. It'll probably take what it took Vegas to go out and get the, the center that they got from Buffalo. Right. Um, he's got great hair, by the way. Seen that hair on yeah. him? I can't even remember that guy's name right now. How bad is he's that? He's only like a number one pick. Anyway, um, I think this trade deadline in terms of league-wide is going to be fascinating because a lot of these teams have spent to the cap. So it's going to have to be player for player and swapping basically contracts. So, you know, trying to get creative with that, Randy, not to say you can't. And if you want to go out and get the play, you can go out and get anybody you want if Jack you really Eichel. want to. What's that? Jack Eichel. There you go. Um, but I, I just think with the constraints of the cap, it's it's going to be tough for them to do that. Now, are there some lesser-end guys that you can go get? Yes. And I think maybe that's the direction that they go because the core of the team is is really good. And so how much – that's the, the balance, too, with the general managers. How much do you want to shake it up to go get that one piece that you think you're missing, Rob Peter, to pay Paul, right? Right. And Doug Armstrong has not – been a guy historically who spent a number one pick to get a no. rental player. Now, there was a great method to his madness when he traded for Ryan Miller because he gave up Halak and he gave up the Chris Stewart contract. And the Blues were able to make that work financially. And if if Miller would have worked out, they would have re-signed him. But since he didn't, they had young goalies coming and they spent that money on Paul Stastny. That was their plan. Now, with all the players that you have under contract, you don't have any big money guys coming off the books except for David Perron right. after this season. I don't think that there is a long-term, there, there can't be, a, I'm, they have a long-term plan, but there can't be something where you say, okay, I'm, like you say, I'm going to rob Peter to pay Paul in this situation. To me, the only move there for the Blues is to give up the cap money by moving a guy like Scandella, and you have to trade a pick to get somebody to take mm-hmm. the contract and then give up more to get the player that you want. So if you're talking to Montreal and you want to go and get one of the defensemen that's available from the Canadians, you'd probably have to give up more than just a number one. You might have to give up a one and a two just so that you can you can get Ben Chirot but they also have to take the Scandella contract. What uh, What's the cap look like next year? Are we staying stagnant, especially with the the point of what's happening right now in Canada with nobody in the seats? Yeah, I think those that, teams are really they getting are. hit hard. It's going to go up about a million dollars, I believe. It'll go up to like eighty-two and a half from eighty-one and a half, so it won't be that substantial. And the Blues have so much allocated already for twenty twenty-three. Let me see if I have uh, this total. Uh, they have 2023 cap, 72 million already. Yeah, dedicated to it yeah. next year. And what do you think the cap will be, roughly? I'm figuring 82 and a half. So okay, so they, you have they a little, might, wiggle, little yeah. wiggle room. Yeah, but you have Pareko going up next year. Yep. Right now, Pareko's cap hit is. Uh, 5.5, he goes up to 6.5 next year. You also have to sign, if you want to, Mikola as a restricted free agent. You're going to have to have a backup goalie. because you're going to do with Huso. Yeah, he's a UFO. Uh, obviously, David Perron at $4 million is an unrestricted free agent. You want to ha- bring him back. So there are a lot of 
moving parts there, and then the biggest moving part is Vladimir Tarasenko. But that's for the offseason. Yeah. For this season, I don't know if the Blues right now with the way their system is. They have a lot of players, but they don't have young stars on the horizon. My guess is that they'd be more inclined to go for it with this group rather than give up a couple of picks to get a, a guy who's just a rental. Well, I don't know. I, I think if you're looking at how we're going to get through the West and it's going to go through Colorado, mm-hmm. would you agree with that? Yes. Um, if if you're that close, I, I'd take a hard look at going to get that guy. And I understand that it 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 would you'd be sacrificing a lot in the future. And you're talking about a young player and a pick or two, but to get you over the hump against them, I think you're going to need to do that. I'm not sure that currently constructed defensively up front they're they're fine, right? But currently constructed, I'm not sure you can get by them. No, and without making that change, the thing is, you need a guy. It doesn't have to be a super physical guy. We're we always talk about rugged and somebody that'll go into the crease and I, blast I somebody see out some of there. Size though, but it can be the kind of size that Bowmeister brought you. A guy that's with what I'm talking a, about a, a guy with range and a stick, and a, the, that's able to make defensive plays, but doesn't necessarily need to knock a guy out of the crease. It's going to be really hard to knock Gabriel Landeskog or Rantanen out of the crease. They're 230 pounds. So if you can get a, a stick, I think you'll be just as well off. Now, the question is, are are we looking at the same guys that Army's looking at? Well, and it, it begs the question, and it does pertain to now, because of what you may add and because of what you just talked about spending, and the Blues will spend to the cap, um, more than likely. No reason to think that they wouldn't. But your future with David Prawn. You know, what's we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but is he the next Alexander Steen, where it could be a reduced role, but yet you're you're paying him. He's he's going to get paid, but does he fit into your plans moving forward? That, that's who I think of when I think of Perron mm-hmm. right now. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's kind of what I'm looking for moving forward with him. And he's only signed contracts with the Blues. Would he sign for less money to stay here at the age of 34? Kids are in school. I don't know. He's still a reasonably productive player. Also, but you, he's what, also but, older. But you're, I'm thinking too of what the Blues when they approach him, not only money and financially, but what your role may be. Yeah, you know, th- we're anticipating you with age and wear and tear, and you've had a lot of years in the league. But this is what we're kind of thinking. And is he okay with that, or does he say, I- "I'll take another bite of the apple, get the best money I can, and and uh, th- that money." The best money you're going to get is probably a team that thinks you're going to play a different role than what he would probably play in St. Louis. And David is not a fourth-line guy. He's got to be a top-nine forward if you have him on the team. Oh, for sure. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, let me let me throw a name at you and see if you like it. Okay. Zidane Chara. I'm somewhat intrigued. He definitely has a stick, and he's got the savvy, and he's a leader. He'd be great in your room. I, I would be intrigued by that. Get your size, obviously. Yeah. And you're going to get a guy that is going to get moved, potentially. He says he wants to stay on the East Coast, and it's not going to cost you a bunch. Yeah. I don't know. And might not matter. Does I, I don't know if he got a no trade in that one-year deal with the Islanders. but And they're awful. Yeah. He might just want to go to a place where he has a chance to win. Yeah. We'll see. Final run. That's Dan. I'm Randy, and that's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head out to L.A. where Hall of Famer Aeneas Williams is getting ready for the Super Bowl and for perhaps Tory Holt to be elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Aeneas, next on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman is on vacation. Danny Mack is in for Michelle. I'm Randy, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. I never have a conversation with Aeneas Williams where I walk away, and I'm not happier. I always am happy after I speak to the Hall of Famer who's with us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Aeneas. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. Come on, tell the people the truth. You're happy because Tom Brady is retired in New England, got blown out in the playoffs. That's, that's, okay. Let's get that straight first. Aeneas, <laughs> I am happy about that. I am. The only thing that can make me happier is what happens on Sunday. And I know that you're on the other side because your franchise is the Rams. But uh, I, I like Joe Burrow. Uh, he's, he's special. I watched the young man actually before he got stardom. Uh, winning that national championship his second year as a starter, his coolness, his ability to what, to do what he's done in the playoffs, eight sacks against Tennessee. Most quarterbacks, I don't care how good they are, including Tom Brady, when you hit them and you sack them that often, it impacts their uh, ability to concentrate and focus. But his coolness, Jamar Chase, fellow New Orleanian as well, and the running game, that's the other part. So I don't think this game will be as easy as people are predicting it would be. And by the way, I I totally get, and you know that I know this, that when you're with a franchise, and especially when you go to a Super Bowl with a franchise, you build an emotional attachment, right? The people change, but the the horns on the helmet are still the same. So I I totally appreciate Aeneas Williams and Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt and uh, Orlando and the gang wanting the Rams to win this because it's part of your personal history, right? No doubt. It's, it's the challenge is having – it's just like when the Rams came to St. Louis. Obviously, there are a lot of people back here in Los Angeles that were disappointed. And then when the team leaves, regardless of the circumstances, now you have a heartbroken fan base uh, back in St. Louis. And that, that's the just business side of it. But when it comes down to the emotional component supporting the team, St. Louis is one of the best cities – that not only supported the team when we had that great run, this unusual uh, five- to seven-year window, but also another decade when it was just perennial losing. But yet the the team was well-supported by the fan base there. Aeneas, what's it like uh, for a player that Super Bowl week? So you guys fly in on, I guess it would be that Sunday or Monday, and you're in that host city. And take us through what a player goes through in terms of the obligations and the things that you have to do to get ready for this big game. It's uh, it's really coming upon leaders who've been in that situation. Aaron Donald and those guys have gone to a Super Bowl, obviously lost to New England. But the big thing is, because I played in a Super Bowl that we lost to the New Patriots, Tom Brady's first Super Bowl, it was in my hometown in the Superdome where I played high school football games. Wow. So popcorn and peanuts. The most important thing is the ability to focus and make sure these two weeks, in particular this week going into the game, that there is an extreme amount of focus and that family members, friends, all realize that this is not a time for that player to get together, be around family. It is one of the most important times to be narrowly focused and then tell family members, 
we're going to party. We're going to do all of those things after this game because one of the main reasons that people feel, and that's broken focus, and that certainly entails uh, a football team. So I'm assuming for you then, on a personal basis, it was the ability to maybe say no. Um, I'm sure you had ticket requests and, uh, you know, people are asking for your time and whatnot. Did you have somebody like a family member or did your agent step up and did you direct them to them and say, hey, if you want tickets, you want this, that, and the other, call this guy, call this lady, call my wife, whatever, because I need to focus on football. That's the beauty of family. In, in that case, it was my father. And the beauty of family, so many times you see disagreements of people not getting along. A lot of times it's because people don't understand how important the different gifts that are in the family. My dad is a person that can love you but also tell you the truth. So having someone that I can designate, okay, Dad, these conversations, and Mom, you guys organize it. Anytime anyone texts me, anybody call me, I'm sending them to you, and I do the same thing now as a pastor and someone that serves uh, philanthropically. I don't a lot of times respond to direct messages. I'll send it to my assistant just so I can pro- properly be able to address whatever uh, requests I have. I, I was going to ask you, Aeneas, because you seem like you are genuinely a people pleaser. So it's good to have that intermediary that you can go to because you literally do want to help everybody, right? I do. And but one of the, the most important things, uh, Randy, I am more of a God pleaser. So what that means is even though I can love somebody and I can see a situation – Give you an example, a family member that have repeatedly made poor decisions with their finances and then all of a sudden looking to get bailed out. I can love them and still do the right thing by them. And that's the biggest difference as it relates to leadership. And that is the ability to also not just make tough decisions for yourself, but also make tough decisions that's in the best interest of, for, in the best interest to another person even though they don't think it is at the time. That's the sort of wisdom that you get from Pastor Aeneas Williams at the Spirit Church and uh, services there. And you can just go to thespiritchurch.org and uh, see and hear a lot of the great things that Aeneas says. Hey, Aeneas, you had a chance to practice every day against Tory Holt. He's a finalist for the Hall of Fame this year. Tell me why Tory Holt should get elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. One, because not only you had, obviously, uh, Isaac Bruce, you had Marshall Falk, Isaac King, Ricky Pro, but Torrey Holt had to be a guy that you had to, if there was a 1A, 1B, however people term those things, Torrey and Isaac, Torrey's ability, one of the best route runners, uh, one of the guys that had uh, tremendous uh, yards per catch, uh, his average at the top of the league, his ability to compete is not an accident that the Rams go to the Super Bowl and win it. And it's his rookie year because all of a sudden now Isaac and some of the other guys had another young guy uh, from NC State on the other side that teams needed to and had to account for. And that's what great players, when it comes down to having great teams, you want to have other horses that are on the team with you. And Tory is one of the best that ever played that position. Aeneas, I'm so lucky because I had a front row seat to watch those practices and to watch that group of receivers go against that Rams defense. And you guys were so competitive in those practices. It was remarkable to me because it was iron sharpening iron, right? You guys were getting ready for games against the best that the league had to offer. Absolutely. I was just having a conversation out here with someone, uh, TJ Hushmanzada. Mm-hmm. 
uh, former wide receiver with Cincinnati. And one of the things in practice, uh, Randy, and in life, it's the competitive excellence that refused to quit even though failure has occurred. There are times when uh, Isaac may have put a move on me and I've almost fallen down. Uh, same thing with Tory. But the willingness, regardless whether a pass has been caught, a touchdown has been received, the willingness to go back out and play with selective amnesia as if it never happened, that's the bonus of being a, a Christ follower, that he didn't die for people that are perfect, but he died for people that are willing to recognize their error and respond through his generosity and forgiveness and go back and play as if you've never failed before. Aeneas, give me a player that you'll be sitting there watching and you say, you know, you're watching the game, but I want to know it from your mind, your eyes, and who you watch. Who's somebody out in that, that field on Sunday that you go, you know what, I, I'm going to really focus on this guy. I, I love watching this guy play. I'm glad you asked that question because I was going to bring it up later with Randy. Randy, I cannot understand what I'm seeing with Cooper Cup. <laughs> His ability, and what I mean by that, you know when he comes into the game, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, he's going to get the football. I've never seen this amazing season, Offensive Player of the Year, and all of it well-deserved, but I've never seen a guy continually get that wide open when you know that he's going to get the ball. So to answer your question, I will be looking forward to see how Cincinnati – has implemented a game plan to come hell or high water, make sure if you're going to beat the Rams, that Cooper Cup does not beat you. You make Odell, the uh, other receivers, uh, beat you besides Cooper Cup. That is, he's an enigma to me because I tell you the truth, I don't understand it. Hmm. it. It's remarkable. And here you are, a Hall of Fame cornerback, a shutdown guy. You shut down the best there was to offer while you were playing. And you're saying you can't figure it out? If you were playing cornerback, how would you go against him on Sunday? And I'm saying that rhetorically. Yeah, yeah. I'm now because I don't want to be, hey, <laughs> I'm this great player and I'm criticizing the current generation. The, the truth is when I look at it, uh, Randy, what I'm seeing, the poor techniques as relates to leverage, uh, eye placement for the defensive backs, uh, communication within the entire secondary, to not only if I'm covering Michael Irvin, everybody else knows it as well and knows where he's located. I'm really speaking more to the deficit as it relates to the requirement of excellence, of understanding the skill sets of a defensive back to teach a player how to make sure if a guy does beat you, he beats you away from your leverage. He beats you away from uh, uh, where you have help. Uh, Give you an example. He, he runs a post corner. If anybody doesn't know what that means, going, it looks like he's going to the post, and he ends up going toward the sideline. And a, a cornerback is in um, one-man coverage. That means he has a middle safety. I'm seeing cornerbacks play him as if he has to cover the post when a middle safety is there, and all of a sudden you see Cooper Cup and his amazing Billy skill set to get in and out of cuts and disguise where he's going, the guys get beat. Those are the things I'm challenging, and I'm thinking about actually having, believe it or not, a camp uh, this offseason for defensive backs. That's great because – Tampa did both, right? They, they failed on the post corner, and then they failed on the post in those last two games against Tampa Bay before they kicked the field goal. He fooled them both times. And another time, he just ended up, he was wide out, and he ends up 10 yards behind the cornerback. 
And then you have a zero blitz. And, Randy, this is another thing. And I'm quite sure Todd Bowles, the defense coordinator for Tampa, he's probably going to be thinking about this for a while. I really think this is possibly one of the reasons Tom Brady retired. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> no, yeah. Let me tell you why I said that. Hey, you, have, you guys know, you, anything you know about Tom, his, he's a perfectionist when it comes down to attention to detail. He brings the team back from probably the largest deficit in championship conference championship history. He brings them back, and now all they have to do is not just stop uh, the the Rams, but just let them kick uh, limit the, limit them to a field goal. Then we go into overtime. Todd Blow Todd Bowles calls a zero blitz while the Rams are on their forty yard line. And I'm saying to you, and I said to someone else, and it's really no knock on Todd Bowles. He did it because of something that he saw. I rarely ever, I can count on one hand, how many times I've had a coach call zero coverage when a team was backed up on their 40-yard line and put a safety on the best receiver in the league with zero coverage. Yeah, it is amazing. Aeneas, can you help me with something here, please? Because you're like one of the nicest guys ever. I need I need help, okay? So when Tom Brady retires last week, I'm flipping through the TV, and they're always showing you know him holding the Lombardi trophy. And that first one against the Rams, he's like shaking his head going, I can't believe this has happened. You know, it, it, it had that look. I can't, I can't get over it, and, and I didn't play. Do you get over it? But help me here. How, how do I get over this? He's better than I am at it. I t- <laughs> hey, guys, look. Okay, let's have a little therapy session here. Okay, Trust thank me. you. I, all right. Every now and then I'll, I'll have my own therapy session. But since we're live here, I think this will help a lot. Okay, right? thank you. Hey, the, the first thing is about perspective. All right? I played 10 years with the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Only one year out of the 10, I made it to the playoffs. I come, I and with a team who was the second-worst team of the decade of the 90s. They win the Super Bowl against the Titans the last year of the decade of the 90s. The next year, they go into the playoffs. They lose. Uh, King fumbles a punt or something like that in the dome. They lose. Then now, Coach Mike Martz, he has the job. His second year, he overhauls the defense. I now get an opportunity to come to play with some of the best guys I've ever seen, which another guy I want to shout out who should be a Hall of Fame consideration, uh, is London Fletcher. He's mm-hmm. one of the best I've ever seen, Randy. But the other thing to answer the question, to be able to relish that we were down, I think, 17-3, Tom Brady didn't win the Super Bowl. What Tom did was play within the confinements that needed to take place within the Patriots to beat the Rams. What was, what was happening when we had that stretch? Number one, we were the number one defense as it relates to cause turnovers. That's number one. So how do you defeat that? And interceptions, I had, I think, three interceptions in the playoffs, Philadelphia and Green Bay. So now limit the amount of times. Uh, Charlie Weiss told me during that game before in the warm-up, I will not see any balls thrown my way pretty much. And he alluded to that. That's before the game. So what that told me was, and, and the other thing I found out from Willie McGinnis, they were to take out Marshall Falk. And wherever Marshall went, they were going to hit him and keep him from the ball. And they wanted to force us into throwing the ball, which possibly creates some type of turnovers. And think about it in that game. Uh, Ty Law ran back a touchdown. And I'm, I'm breaking this down just to help you understand. I love it. This is therapy. How, yeah, how I can have proper perspective. 
But at the end of the day, I have a picture when the confetti was all coming down. I was on my knees, and I was thanking God, not for the loss, but for the opportunity. And that's what I learned as a proverb that says, the rich and the poor meet together. God is the maker of them all. What I learned from that principle is he gives us all opportunities. And we had an opportunity to win, and the game of football, NFL, is different from baseball, basketball, hockey. You don't get several games in order to win a championship. You get one game, and whoever is better, I think the New England handed the ball, Tom handed the ball off, I think over 40 times in that game. We came back. That's the beauty of Coach Martz and that great offense. We knew if we just got them the ball back, we would have a shot. And what did Tom Brady do? He came out, did uh, some some throws. wasn't deep throws at all on that last drive. Get him in field goal possession. And now a Hall of Fame kicker, who I think will be a Hall of Fame kicker, a uh, place kicker, Adam Vinatieri, kicks a field goal. We lose the game. So should I pout? Should I be mad? Should I be shaking my fist at God because we lost? No. We were the second-best team, and I played – with some of the best guys. I played with great guys with Phoenix and the Cardinals, but I played with some horses here, and I celebrate uh, that runner-up trophy as if I run the silver, won the silver in the goal in the Olympics. I don't know if I should be mad at you. No, but you, you, yeah, it's, it's perspective. You, you, it's living, but I'm, but I'm really happy that you, you walk me through this. So I'm mad and I'm happy. But you, you're helping me. This is good. Aeneas Williams is the best. Aeneas, two more quick things. Number one, how exciting is it to have Coach Lovey back on the sideline as a head coach in the NFL? Yeah, I've already texted him and just I, I'm quite sure the things he's learned in college, and he's been around a long time for Houston to give this him this opportunity. And one of the things that you saw during the during the season, even though things didn't go well for the Texans, that defense continually got better. And I do know if, if, if Coach Levy is able to get the right offense coordinator, which may be McCown, a uh, young uh, former quarterback that could help, he's going to do well. And as I said, he's had, he's been to the Super Bowl. He's taken the team to the Super Bowl. Yes, it's now an offensive game. But if Coach Levy has evolved where I, where I think he has and realized how important that office coordinator is, he should be successful. And final thing, you know, because you listen, when I say stuff here, I say it with a smile. I, I lead a pretty bright life. I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. But if there's somebody driving down the road right now, Aeneas, tell them why they should be optimistic today. They should be op- optimistic today because every day, every time, Randy, is a couple of things to answer that question. How important it is for us to love and work together. I don't know how many people realize it, but every time you look up and you see the sun, the root word for the word sun means together. That's the first thing. The second thing is every time we wake up, we literally wake up what I call dry cement. For those that don't understand what that means or, or the context, when I grew up in a neighborhood, if you wanted to be famous or what, if you saw people laying cement, and what you did, you, you hid, but when they left, you had a small window of time to actually put your fingerprint in it. And I know it's mischievous and we probably shouldn't have done it, <laughs> but you can put your name in there before it dried. But once it dried, it was too late. The past is dry cement. Every time someone wakes up, they get an opportunity, no matter what they've done wrong, what somebody else done wrong, to decide what they're going to write in this wet cement today. And that every day they wake up, I don't care how old they are, I don't care how ill they are or how healthy they are, 
Every day they wake up, God is implying to them, I've given you another day for a purpose. And as Tom Brady would say, let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Aeneas Williams, Pro hey, Football Randy, Hall of Famer. I'm going to say something real quick. Yeah. I, I called Aeneas to come, and, and thank you so much, Aeneas, for doing this. When you showed up to the announcement of the MLS uh, soccer team coming to St. Louis, and you know we had dignitaries from the Blues, the Cardinals, the football the Cardinals, and the, and the Rams, and people that you had never met uh, pulled me aside and said, thank you for reaching out to him, and he's one of the most impressive human beings yep. I've ever met in my life. So I, I want to tell you that publicly thanks for doing that and so many people appreciated you being there and i can tell you one of the reasons i was there i've been in contact with uh arthur blank who obviously owns the falcons but he also owns an amazing soccer team in atlanta that has really taken off every year i get ticket invitations to go but when the taylor family and particularly the first female owner i, I believe i'm not mistaken correct any mls team and to be there with them, and I would love at some point, I don't even know how it happened, I would love to have some kind of ownership stake, if at all possible, because I know the game of soccer is just a matter of time before even this great game of football, and I dare say it, but because of the international population and because of the influx of people still coming to this country, even though the challenges that we've had, there's still people coming from all over the world to this country because of opportunities. And the game of soccer being uh, MLS being brought to St. Louis through the Taylor family being homegrown, I am so excited for the fan base that will not only that's there now, that will grow in the formative years of young people. So well put. Aeneas, enjoy L.A., and we will see you soon. Thanks for being you, and thanks for the time today. We appreciate it. And the therapy. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Keep up the great work. Thank you, you. Thank you. We'll see you later. That's our friend Aeneas Williams, a Pro Football Hall of Famer, and truly one of the great people on earth. Oh. I, I don't, as Tony Larusa would say, he's tied for first with the best people in the world. When I called him, Randy, and I have not spoken to him a lot. I mean, we know each other uh, a little bit, and I called him. I said, it'd be great to have you here. And he said, I, I'm so glad that you called because I want to be there and I can't wait to meet these people. And he said, the thing that, that he said at that time, he said, they're doing so much for the kids in the city mm -hmm. that need an outlet and need help. And I want to be a part of that. And by the way, uh, St. Louis City SC, if he wants a small ownership stake, call him. Yeah. <laughs> Great guy to have on your oh, side. Oh, boy. The best. Uh, Dan and Randy, we're going to have a quick You're Killing Me Smalls next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Am I allowed to start, Randy? I have a You're Killing Me Smalls. Fire away. You're killing me, Smalls. Record heat potentially for kickoff of the uh, Super Bowl this weekend. How much? Uh, I didn't see. I was 80s? trying to call it up, I guess. Yeah. How about that? But it said record heat potentially for kickoff and of the Super Bowl. That is an open air stadium. The sides are open and they have right. a cloth roof. So that could have an effect on the game. No doubt about it. Okay. Sorry, Randy. This no is your segment. You're killing me, Small. Dan, Eric Dickerson, Pro Football Hall of Famer yes, for the LA Rams down on Radio Row, says to USA Today of the Rams, 
I think we're trying to build a fan base back up, and I don't think we'll have a problem doing it. I mean, because right now, I'll just say it, this is a Raider town. Los Angeles is a Raider town. That is from Eric Dickerson. One of the most famous Rams. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you see the uh, pep rallies uh, yesterday for the various uh, sides of this yeah, Super Bowl? yikes. 500 um, people apparently at the Rams pep rally held at a high school in Southern California. 30,000 at Paul Brown <laughs> Stadium for the for the uh, Bengals. Wasn't yeah. Eric Dickerson quite vocal uh, back in 2016 about how the Rams were returning to like their correct place and how this was the right move and everything like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but before and that, now, while they were here, he said, we don't deserve a franchise. Yeah, and, and now they're they're still Oakland Raiders. They're still Raiders fans there. It just it seems like a weird uh, weird development. There, I always Eric. felt when the we're looking at the various moves that could be made, I never thought San Diego should leave. I never thought St. Louis should leave because the TV market, the support they had for all the various reasons we talked about. And... If you couldn't get a stadium in Oakland, then the, if you had to move them, and I hate talking about teams moving, if it had to be done, the Raiders seemed to be the logical choice to go mm-hmm. back to L.A. It's a Raiders town. Yeah. It just it made sense. And there was a lot of thought in the league, hey, let's solve the California problem in California. Right. Which they could have done and saved themselves $790 million. Yeah. You're killing me, small. Dan, I stayed up last night to watch the Lakers lose to the Bucks because I thought the Lakers might get better. You kind of like to hate watch the Lakers, don't you? Well, yeah, because I, when they made that trade for Russell Westbrook, I said to myself, that is not going to work. They benched him in the fourth quarter last night. They were much better, but they still wound up losing 131-116. And LeBron said before the game, you always kind of use these games to see where you are at that moment. But we know where we are at this moment. Sitting at a couple of few games under 500, haven't played the basketball we'd like to play. He says that the Lakers aren't even in the same atmosphere right now as the Milwaukee Bucks. However, he's been doing some of these maintenance days. He's also been dealing with a sore knee Mm -hmm. and, you know, playoff time he's going to play. They're one of the last teams. If I, I don't care what I'm, what seed they are, and not what I am. I don't want to face LeBron and the Lakers. No, I still don't. I and I know they haven't played well. If you're LeBron and Anthony Davis, you come off the court last night, late in the game. Russell Wilson's already been benched, and Frank Vogel clears the bench, and you're down by 20. And Russell Wilson has Westbrook. the biggest Russell Westbrook, yeah, has the biggest smile he's ever had, and he's welcoming welcoming those two guys back to the bench. I'll tell you what. I can't imagine that LeBron James was very happy with anybody smiling on that bench. Oh, for sure. As the leader of that team, face of the franchise. Got to wonder if they try to move him with the deadline here. Westbrook. Westbrook? Yeah. He, he's making $41 million this year and next. Ton. I think it's almost impossible to move him. I think the one team that Washington could have moved him to, they did. Yes. And, uh, and now they're paying for it. Yeah, the you, uh, it's, Lakers. It's hard to build a super team you have to have everybody on board and pulling the rope in the same direction and Russell Russell Westbrook has never been a guy that played winning basketball how did they lose with KD Harden and Westbrook young in their primes at Oklahoma City how they shouldn't have and they probably should not have traded Harden should have kept that group together for another year yeah. and given them an opportunity. The coaching was was bad. They yeah, would they would go through stretches of games where only one of those guys would be on the court or none of them sometimes. I know, but I mean, bad. you got those three guys. Come on. Yeah. You're killing me, Smalls. And Danny, one more thing. We yes, talked sir. about this off the air. The uh, 
Your Valentine's joke? No, uh-uh. Okay. I, we can throw that out there later. I think that needs to stay off the air. Trevor Bauer will not be charged by the district attorney in L.A., but it's hard for me to imagine that what we learned last summer would cause, would allow some team to even think of bringing Trevor Bauer into the fold. I, I'm with you. I don't know if you could do that. Um, I don't know if you would be accepted by your fan base, the city, the franchise. I, I, I just... Now, the, the Dodgers are on the hook. So if that's the case, they're going to be on the hook for – because they had to pay him this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got two more years. Yeah, another 80 total, I think. 80 yeah, million. I was going to say 40 per. I mean, do the Dodgers – You have no choice. I didn't just say, we, we'll pay it out and you're not going to play, or they say, no, we're going to try to get something out of him. What, what, would you, what do you think? If I were them, if I were the just Dodgers – walk away? Yeah, I would just swallow the $80 million. I, I think mean, you, you've done that with a lot of to. the players you signed as free agents and a lot of the Cuban guys that they've given that much money to. Yeah. So, you know, they, they're used to spending – wasting a lot. a lot of money. And they've got the money to do it, to walk yep. away from them. But if he's in another town, though, and that was your guy that you signed and you dedicated all those resources to him and you didn't have the Dodger resources, you wonder if some franchises would say – well, you know, he's gone through the, the the courts and this is what we have. So, you know what? We're going to let him play it out. We got to pay him anyway. I would not approve of that acquisition by the St. Louis Cardinals. I think you're probably in the uh, camp of a lot of people, majority of people. Yeah. That is You're Killing Me, Smalls on 101 ESPN. We'll head down the stretch next. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Full day here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you've got the balloon party with Tim McKernan, followed by BK and Ferrario, and then the fast lane coming your way at 2 o'clock. And today is Wednesday. It's hump day. So we've got ESPN programming tonight, and then Danny, the Blues are back in action tomorrow night. Boy, it seems like it's been a year. Yeah, it's only been eleven days. I know. I miss uh, having a couple games a week to watch. I miss it, man. I miss my Blues. Yeah, I'm ready to have them back at it, and we'll have a lot of fun tomorrow because uh, we are going to provide our ideal Super Bowl party menu, which is really important. I, food for the Super, you know. The second highest food consumption day in America after Thanksgiving is Super Bowl Sunday. Is it really? Yeah. Um, okay, I'm not going to give away any secrets no, here because you'll be all over this. But you usually, correct me if I'm wrong, at least when we would tailgate with the Rams, you would tailor the food for the you know what the opposition uh, yeah. would be famous for. So mm-hmm. now you got the Bengals and the Rams. Are you going to tailor anything for Sunday night oh, with L.A. and uh, Cincinnati. Maybe Skyline Chili some for chili you? and some chicken and waffles. Yeah. You ever been to Roscoe's? Yes. Ooh, good chicken stuff. and waffles in L.A. is pretty good. Yes, See, sir. Yeah, we might go that direction. That's okay. not a bad thought. I like it. I like it. I think the family would like that, too. I think so. Good. And it's getting warmer out, so you can get on that Krager if you need to. Traeger, I should say. Yeah, I Traeger. will. We'll do Traeger that. Grill. I mixed my Krager and Traeger and came out Krager. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, uh, thanks to everybody who joined us today. It was great to hear from our buddy Aeneas Williams. Man, that was great. Who uh, texted back and he said, "You." I, I said, you're the best, thank you. And he said, no, you guys are the best, thank you. So He's uh, such a good guy. We, we love Aeneas Williams and we love you. We uh, thank you for being a part of the show today. Great job by our producer engineer, the one and only Matt Rocchio. Thank you, Matthew. You're very welcome, Randy. 
Uh, Danny, we'll see you tomorrow. Yes, sir. I'll be ripping, raring, ready to go. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Here's the lowdown on lowering bad cholesterol from Lecvio. Lowering bad cholesterol is hard, but you could do hard. You live through five fad diets, 11 sleep training nights, nine mediocre middle school recitals, one heart attack. And with Lecvio, you can lower your bad cholesterol and keep it low with two doses a year after two starter doses. Prescription Lecvio in glycerin is given by a doctor for people with known heart disease on a statin with diet who need more help lowering bad cholesterol. Common side effects were injection site reaction, joint pain, urinary tract infection, diarrhea, chest cold, pain in legs or arms, and shortness of breath. Results may vary. Learn more at Lecvio.com or call 1-833-537-8462. Ask your doctor about Lecvio. That's L-E-Q-V-I-O. Lower, longer, Lecvio. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.